It is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. And this sports show starts right now. Football is concluded with week three of the NFL season after last night's Monday night football matchup of NFC East rivals where the Dallas Cowboys and Cooper Cush go on the road to New Jersey to take on the New York Giants and get a big time win. There was some fuckery with some calls. There was some magic that was made. There was big time punts. And week three continued to be a week that we go, huh, this game's pretty boring. Yeah. This game's pretty boring. Yeah. But you know what that means about week four? We got magic on the horizon. Starting on Thursday night with the white Bengal Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> playing host <laughs> for a week four Thursday night football matchup we'll watch on Amazon Prime. The Amazon, uh, the Miami Dolphins and the electrifying Tyreek Hill, Tua, Jalen Waddle, McDaniel and the what? boys will travel north to Cincinnati, Ohio. If you do recall, Thursday night football in Cincinnati. Oh, no was where the Urban Meyer train really got derailed. That's Almost right. a one-year anniversary. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars travel mm-hmm. up to Cincinnati for a Thursday night football matchup. Short sure. week. Obviously got to go. Right. They lose. Urban Meyer is so fucking distraught. Has to go to his grandkids, which are nearby in Ohio. Doesn't fly back with his own team. Okay? They said the... What? The captain of Titanic actually went down with the fucking Titanic. That's yeah. right. Because it was their... It was his ship. ship. George Clooney, perfect storm. Went down with the ship. Yep. Coach normally flies with team. Like that, hey, these are my men, you know. So whenever that decision was made, we all go, oh, is this guy maybe a dipshit? Perhaps. <laughs> no, he had to go with his grandkids. Remember, we were told we were bad people That's for right. asking that question because we had never heard ever in the history of the NFL a coach not flying back with his team, ever. Like no. that's just not a, you know, you think Lombardi – said back in the day, I'm not fucking going with the boys. You think Bill Belichick after a game, because you know what, you guys fly back on that plane, I'm going to stick around here, go in my boat for a second, and I'm going to go back home in the middle of a fucking NFL season? No way. That is what Thursday night football in Cincinnati can do. Thursday night in Cincinnati can bring something that has never happened before for the first time, can ruin an entire career, can set course maybe that these Cincinnati Bengals are all the way back, or are these Miami Dolphins really for real? One of the only undefeated teams left in the entire NFL is now playing on Thursday night. Can't wait to watch it. Can't wait for week four. And can't wait for Aaron Rodgers Tuesday where we're chit-chatting about a Packers win over Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At Ty Schmidt, one member of the Toxic Table, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday is always a glorious day, pal. Yeah, there's nothing better. There is really nothing better, especially when it's a victory Tuesday. And we actually have a decent amount to talk about. You know, they they mentioned the scoreboard, Fugues, or whatever you want to have. Jumbotron. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jumbotron. Uh, so very excited about that. The, the goat bowl, if you will. I mean, I said it yesterday. It's a great time to be a Packers fan, and I am very, very excited for this conversation today. It, I, I'm excited to hear what his thoughts are, what he heard, what he's seen on the Jumbotron that gave things away, and what does he uh, you know, think about going forward? Him and Dobbs yeah, yeah. got a good relationship cooking. They do. Uh, at Boston Connor last night, Monday Night Football, Giants get a massive win. Cooper Cush, Central Michigan, I believe, yeah. right? Chippewa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Guy. Michigan as well. Full on redhead, great beard, has the tight sleeves that go underneath the uniform all the way out to the pads right mm-hmm. in the middle there. Suits him. Questionable swag, obviously, on Cooper Cush. He's a fucking player. Last night made some plays I don't think anybody would expect any backup uh, to make. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. Yep. He's delivering a rock, reading the defense. And remember when Mike McCarthy said, 
um, when Dak Prescott went down. The offense doesn't drop too much with Cooper Rush. Mm-hmm. And Richard Sherman uh, actually got a, a little bit alarmed for that. And when uh, Richard Sherman saw it, I was like, yeah, that is an interesting thing. You just paid this guy a couple hundred million dollars so guaranteed, much. and then you're saying the backup isn't that far of a drop. Seems like a little bit of a disrespectful thing to say. Now, probably trying to rally Cooper Cush as well, trying to give him a little confidence. But as we're watching him, Cooper Cush might be a fucking guy, yeah. dude. There's going to be a lot of teams calling for the old Cush to come sign with them. I think what he did last night was magical. It was fun to watch on the old Monday Night Football. Yeah, he's spinning the pigskin, and Zeke, it felt like, had his best game in a few you know years, at least during this season, was his best game. Pollard had 100 yards on the ground. CeeDee Lamb, even though he dropped that uh, deep ball, came back with a nice little one-handed catch. But, yeah, to your point, Cooper Cush gives – all teams, you know, hope that their backup QB might be able to step in, win some games, and keep the season alive. Yeah, I think so. And, and people need to be level-headed about it. I don't think anybody expected old Cooper Cush to be what Cooper Cush is, except for maybe Jerry Jones. There's a yeah. video from Jerry Jones a couple weeks ago on what he was wishing people would be saying in a few weeks after Cooper Cush comes in for Dak Prescott, after Dak injures his thumb, and he's maybe out for a week, week and a half up here in my mind. But mm-hmm. doctors are saying maybe four weeks, five weeks, up here maybe one week. He said this about Cooper Cush and relief for Dak Prescott. So you'd want that? You'd want that controversy? Of course I would. Okay. <laughs> of course that means we'd won. If he comes in here and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead, I'd walk New York to get there. <laughs> do, you, do you think he can do that? Uh, well, I don't know that, but uh, uh, I, I would uh, – you can't find on record where I said I thought Dak Prescott could do it. When he had the, when he stepped in and had the chance to do that, but he did it. He he said, "Listen, I'm not. You can go check what I talked about when Dak came in for old Tony Romo. I never once fucking said he's gonna be a guy, but I hope." I hope he's a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just said he was hoping there's a QB controversy. The beginning of the question was kind of cut off there. I should have led into it better. But basically the conversation was, what if Cooper Rush comes in and plays very well? Will there be a quarterback controversy? And Jerry goes, I fucking hope. What do we – that means yeah. he played good. He is playing very good. We have A.Q. Shipley joining us live on studio, and obviously we go in the trenches later today. Dak Prescott's an unbelievable quarterback. There's no reason for anybody to think that Cooper Rush is going to out uh, Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback for the Cowboys, especially with the amount of money that he He's been paid by the Cowboys and everything like that. I think Cooper, though, has proven that he could probably play somewhere, AQ. Don't you think? You've been around a long fucking time in this league. I feel like the way he's playing, his composure feels like his teammates believe in him. He's making big plays when he needs them. Three straight starts, three fourth-quarter drive comeback yeah. wins. I guess he's the only player in the history of the game that's ever done that. He's like, he might be a fucking guy, AQ. Hey, He's doing really, really nice things for that team. He's leading the team. That's what you want from a quarterback. He's not turning the ball over. He's doing exactly what you want. And they may want a controversy, but they might get something in return for this guy at some point. Oh, so no controversy. Maybe there's a conversation for a couple weeks when Dak comes back. If Dak isn't 1,000% and Cooper Cush continues to do what he does, trade deadline's coming up, though. You know, and if you can get something big and Jerry might see a little bit of a move, there's numerous teams that are already thinking to themselves, fuck, we're already out of it. Maybe we can get a quarterback in there. Cooper Rush really building up that stock. We're not saying he's going to trade him. We're just talking about the number of outcomes that could take place. I love watching him. And on the flip side, Daniel Jones, okay, Matt Hasselbeck asked us yesterday. He did. He said, what do we know about Daniel Jones? And first answer we gave, 
always going to hit the over rushing yards. Yep, for sure. He rushed for like 70-some yards last night. Yeah, His over-under for quarterback rush yards was at like 58 or something like that because people, the books have kind of got onto what we've gotten onto. He will run. He will gain yards. Now, everybody remembers him tripping and falling on his face in the middle of the open field. That's going to happen when you're so goddamn fast, okay? Right. Us normal right. humans would never understand what it's like to run that fast because Daniel Jones is flying, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. Gazelle. Sometimes your heart and brain moving a little bit faster and your legs are able to keep up with you fall right on your face on national television. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, still running very fast out in the middle of nowhere. He does that a lot. Uh, Kenny Galladay's experience over there has been Man. absolutely questionable. I, it's a fa hell? I put a tweet out. The Galladay story is fascinating because obviously week one he gets like no snaps or week two he gets no snaps. Yep. He comes out and says he deserves snaps and he's just doing what he's doing and there's obviously a little bit of tension because he's a $31 million cap hit next year. Mm. Yeah. This guy. $31 million cap hit. That's more than, I think, like 20 of the quarterbacks or 21 of the quarterbacks next year or 24 of the quarterbacks. I forget the exact number, but nonetheless, the contract he got from the previous regime is absurd. So everybody assume whenever the new regime comes in, they see bad contracts, they're going to want to do away with that because everybody can be a cap casualty, especially if you weren't brought in by the previous GM. It is... It is assumed that it was felt by Galladay in the building and also by the front office. It wasn't getting as many plays, wasn't doing his thing. We were all confused because Galladay was a fucking guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Galladay was fun market. to watch with Matthew Stafford. So, oh, yeah. Fun to watch with Matthew Stafford up there in Detroit. And there wasn't a lot to cheer for in Detroit. No. Okay. Nothing. They were losing, but they were put on. Galladay was a guy, reset the market, goes to New York. He fucking stinks. Yeah. Yes. He is terrible. I, I put a tweet out that the Galladay story is fascinating. Giants fans come flying in. What's fascinating about a guy fucking robbing an organization? That's true. <laughs> what is fascinating about a guy that is completely screwed over an entire team and will be doing so for the next few years? Now, business is business. I'm happy Galladay got his money. Players, the owners have enough money, okay? I understand that it's not great for the team set up for him to get paid as much as he's paid. I'm happy Galladay's made money. I assume Galladay didn't always have money. So I'm happy that Galladay has become a success story for he and his family. But goddamn, you can't bitch about how much you're on the field and how much you're getting the ball and what's being happening behind closed doors. And then you get a massive play on Monday Night Football that appears that you need it and you got it and you actually – and then drop it and then have no emotion. Yeah. No emotion. I, I thought he was going to slam his helmet on the so side. I. I was like, sweet. oh, he's going to slam the helmet here. A little Ken Dorsey freak out. This guy cares. Set it down. Turned around casually. Walked away. It was like – Maybe he wants them to get rid of him. Maybe he's yeah. not that worried about dropping it because of how he feels behind the scenes. But that shit's wild to me, AQ. And that's the type of thing that can really, in a locker room, cause yeah. a little dysfunction. And Dabo doesn't want that at all with the new culture he's trying to build, I assume. No, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to see. He was a productive player for good. some time. Yeah, so good. And now he's not getting any burn on the field. And when he does... He fucking drops that one yesterday. That's a big play. Third yeah. down. Yep. And it was Fourth unfortunate quarter. that he did make a big play that was negated by a bad pass interference call that didn't even count. Oh, yeah, Sterling That was Shepherd. the biggest play mm -hmm. of his day. Yeah, Sterling Shepard with the little get Season. out of the way. That was yep, kind of yep. bullshit there. Yeah, for sure. It is just fascinating. The Galladay experience with the Giants has been very fascinating. I, and we don't pay attention close enough because the Giants fucking stink. Yeah, they're they terrible. do. Okay? Two we understand you're a big market. We appreciate that. Everybody in the big market talks about the big market teams. We're, we're lucky enough not to have to. Mm -hmm. If you stink, we don't have to talk about you. That's right. Giants would probably be a cool team to talk about since we've been a show 
Never been a fucking team. No. So it would be cool to kind of dive into the Giants' history and tradition and fan base. And I got to experience them last night. They are a passionate bunch with oh, yeah. what they were saying about Galladay. But they have sucked for a long time. I feel like Wink and Dayball are going to be able to bring them back to prominence. But it's very apparent it's going to take some time to figure it out, you know? And very apparent that – see, that's what I don't understand is, like, Daniel Jones doesn't stink, but he's clearly – like, he's not going to get another contract with the Giants. He's not the guy moving forward. It's just as simple as that. You can tell when you watch, like – could he be a pretty formidable backup for some other team? Absolutely. Like, he's definitely good enough to do that. But you play in that market, he's just not the guy. Like, if Cooper Cush would have been playing for the Giants last night, I Giants think they win. win that game. Giants Absolutely. win. It's hard not to say that. Yeah, it is. And then with, like, Galladay, you know, it's so blatantly obvious that he's checked out. Like, it's not like, you know, in two weeks from now, a switch is all of a sudden going to flip and he's going to be the guy he was in Detroit, like, He's he's done. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. And nobody's gonna pick up that contract. No. no. So he's stuck. So you, you gotta know? figure that out. That's almost one of those things that Dayball and Douglas and them over there. You look at that contract. You're not able to get out of it. You're not gonna be able to trade anybody for this. Can't no. restructure. So you either just take it on the shins and get him out of there, or you have to make right with him almost. And that's a weird thing to say, but it is kind of like the bed that has been made for them in the previous regime. It's wild. I mean, it, it is absolutely wild to watch Daniel Jones continue. To just be mediocre. Like that's <laughs> seriously. That's, that's where he's been. He's literally somewhere in the middle. He has some days, and most of them are just mediocre at best. And you rely more on his running anymore than his passing, and you hey, just, you runner, just right. can't do that. Yeah, I mean, also he's had what four OCs oh. in five years, three OCs in five years. Like, and they talked about it last night. He's had the most pressures in every single year that he's played for the Giants. I mean, obviously the last regime they. Put a boatload of money into a guy who fucking stinks at wide receiver. He's got a second year left tackle, a first year right tackle. Like I do, you know, obviously don't think Daniel Jones is gonna lead a team on his own and win because of him, as Dan Orlovsky says. But I don't think he's really had a good chance either. It's not like Sterling Shepard's their best receiver and he gets hurt every single year. Like yeah, it, so it's tough. If you're in the Daniel Jones camp, there's a lot of things you could say. You know, about, hey, our guy got yeah. completely fucked. Saquon. I mean, this guy, Saquon's been hurt basically every year. There's yeah. no offensive line, new offense coordinator literally every single year. Daniel Jones' team has a lot to say. And to your point about people getting injured, not having weapons, Sterling Shepard officially did tear his ACL. Uh, Ian Rapport is reporting that Giants coach Brian Dable is reporting that the wide receiver Sterling Shepard has torn his ACL. His season is over. Fucking shame. He had Achilles last year. Yep. Battles all the way back. Has a big game. Has Starts to have a big-time oh, yeah. game. And then in a non-contact injury, just jogging a basic, like, kind of a, a straight route almost, yeah. a go route, thing just blows up on him in the middle of the game on turf, which led to a conversation from Odell Beckham Jr. that chimed in, basically saying every stadium needs to be grass. We have enough money to make everything grass. This turf is problematic, which leads to another conversation that is very interesting. The NFL can afford that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every NFL team can afford that. It feels like every Premier League team has the ability to have grass. Now, they're right. running like eight miles a game over there. If they were to have turf, everybody's knees would be blown up. But it feels like every other big league in the world that revolves around their players running things have grass and have the ability to do grass. You see that stadium in Phoenix. Yeah. It basically, in the middle of the desert, figured out how to have a grass field because that motherfucker takes a walk outside. The grass takes a walk outside, gets the desert sun, then it comes back 
back in. Then they got this other thing that comes over top of it that shoots a perfect amount of water on it, like the farmers do out there in the middle of America doing Hell the good yeah. old shit with the John Deere tractors That's and right. such. What? They have that whole thing in there. So they have the sun regulated by walking it outside. They come in, they have the water regulated. It's like, why doesn't every team? invest in that type of thing. You have the ability to do so. It seems like it's going to save a lot of people's injuries. Now, mm -hmm. is the Sterling Shepherd injury going to happen on grass or on turf? I guess we'd never be able to tell, but it feels like the turf injuries seem to be a lot more gruesome because of the lack of give. And I know the original AstroTurf back in the day, that green shit um, that was just Louis. carpeting. It was literally just carpeting way back in the day. And I don't know if it's because of turf that he tore his ACL just jogging down there. We just saw the clip, and it is – these are the most nasty ones. Yeah. The ones with non-contact means it's just something just completely popped. Your body just said, nah, for whatever reasons. And we can't say that it was definitely the turf that caused it, but it definitely led to Odell Beckham Jr. talking about it, which he has gotten injured on turf before. Why not have grass on everything? I, I don't understand. If it's potentially a saver, Odell Beckham Jr. says, just get rid of it all fucking together, bro. Billions made off this game. I can't understand why we can't play on grass. That shit is rough. Praise up for my brother. Shit just hurt my heart. Now, I put an X in instead of an I because Odell Beckham Jr. is cooler than us. That's, That's right. right. That is what he did. But that is a, a lot of guys say this, especially the running positions. Guys have got to run and run and run. They're like, hey, we are pounding the shit out of our joints on this. Can we not just get some grass and just be a little bit softer on all of us? Well, and I think that's the key is you hear most players who say, yeah, we would much rather play on natural grass. And it's not like at this point they don't know how to do it in, in different cities. Like you mentioned, Arizona, like there is a tried and true way that you can, if you're in a climate that maybe isn't conducive to keeping the grass nice year round, like you can do it. They've figured it out. I, I knew a guy, okay, his name was Stank, okay? Sure. Stank was able to grow weed, okay, mm -hmm. behind a false wall in the middle of Morgantown with zero light capacity or moisture control, hmm. okay? This guy was able to have fucking grow show behind a fake wall, no lights, nothing, because the way science has it set up where you can just have literally the perfect amount of UV rays in this mm -hmm. thing, the amount of thing. He was a genius. Stank was a fucking genius when it came to this type of thing. I think he was in agriculture. I yeah. believe he was, he was utilizing his entire thing. Like, you have enough money, even the cities that are just in the middle of, like, winter and whatever, there's something that you can cover up and put your false wall behind, like Stank had, over top of that thing and monitor that grass because that is very important to the entire outcome of your product. I just, for me, I love turf because I kicked on turf. Yeah. In turf, there's always a perfect... Always a perfect ball. Always set up there. So grass isn't fucking with you. You knew exactly what you were going to get from my position. But it seems like all the guys that are making a lot of money in the league and, you know, generating a lot of the capital for the NFL are all like, hey, we all believe that we should be able to run without being sore every single goddamn day in our knees. AQ, you're a big body. Obviously, you played in the NFL a long time. Big guys don't mind if it's turf or grass, do they? It's more of a skill position thing, or is it big guys as well, and I'm just kind of being a sizist here for you? Yeah, you're complete sizist. I mean, this is okay. – big guys hate it. More than anything – Hate the turf? Hate the turf. Okay. More than anything, it does. It makes your body sore. It's like running on a basketball court or concrete. It is definitely a harder surface than grass – when we would get out of training camp in Arizona, we would go back to our facility, and the first three, four weeks is always 110 degrees, and the veteran guys would always push, like, hey, let's practice outside, even though it's 110, just to be on the grass so you're not inside in the bubble. Okay, so we'd rather take the sauna right. 
than the beating, basically. So that's 100%. what people are deciding. They're deciding to go into a hot sauna to work out as opposed to a, a room temperature, 70-degree one, because of the beating that the turf gives. So that's the big guys. Skill guys are already here what mm -hmm. they're saying. Yeah. I'd assume defensive players enjoy the turf. D linemen enjoy the turf. I think period. I think it's universal. I don't think anybody enjoys it. I really don't, except for kickers and punters. Yeah, we don't have to run. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it yeah, last year? I don't have to run, so it's fucking yeah. awesome for me. Was yeah. it last year or two years ago where like, there was three or four people in the first two weeks who tore their knee on MetLife? I think Bosa got hurt. Nick Bosa got hurt there. And it was a talk, It was a conversation then, like, hey, MetLife has to change this. I don't know if it was turf as a whole, but MetLife specifically, I know, is giving guys problems. So we were talking about this earlier, and it led to another conversation that's currently taking place in the NFL. So Hurricane Ian, I guess, is about to be a real motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have already evacuated Tampa. They're training in Miami currently because Hurricane Ian is coming up through the west side of Florida and then about to go across the top of Florida, it seems like, into the Carolinas. Right into the Carolinas. Yeah. College game day this weekend. Right, right into there, you know? Hope everything's okay. Hope everybody's safe. Obviously, it's no fun at all. I don't know hurricanes at all. I'm from Pittsburgh, went to West Virginia, live in Indiana. I go to Florida. It rains. I think it's a hurricane. They say, oh, this ain't a hurricane. And I, they're right. I've never been yeah. a part of an actual hurricane. Sounds like a hurricane is just when the sea and the sky say, fuck you, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no control in that at all. I think it's pretty inconsistent. I think they're not 100% sure where it's going to go. Tampa evacuating makes me seem like the people in Tampa who probably understand hurricanes a little bit yeah. thought that they were probably going to get fucked by this, so they evacuate. Now, the game this weekend that they have was supposed to be in Tampa Bay. They are now looking for other venues. It was reported, I believe, by Palisero, the arrow, that maybe Minnesota would be a place because Minnesota's playing in England against the New Orleans Saints. So their stadium is vacant. They also talked about maybe other Midwestern teams that have an away game that their stadium will be open. Talking about what we just talked about earlier, AQ and I and the boys got into it. It's like Tampa is a grass field mm -hmm. stadium. Mm -hmm. There's no way that Tampa is going to want to go to Minnesota whenever we looked the Tennessee Titans potentially yeah. have an open stadium this particular weekend, have a grass field. Maybe they'll be there. So I'm not sure it's 100% locked in, but those are the types of things that teams are thinking about when they're going to decide where they're going to play a game as opposed to their home stadium. Do we want to take another week of wear and tear on somebody's turf on their legs when we don't have to if this stadium is available and they have grass? It's legit. Those. That's why what Odell tweeted and what happened with Sterling is so important because that shit actually matters to the people that are actually playing the game. And AQ, I don't know if you want to echo my sentiments or add on to it. We kind of had that conversation earlier, but I think it was a good one. Like, I think that's a solid conversation to have right now. I think so too. And I think if you look at that Tampa team, they're pretty banged up already. Not to mention they have a 45-year-old quarterback that probably doesn't enjoy running around on turf either. So... That he would has be pretty good pull too. I think. Yeah, yeah. probably. I'd say it's pliable Pro though. He can move around pretty well. No, but I think what Sterling, what happened to Sterling Shepard last night, is terrible. We are all hey, Godspeed to Sterling Shepard. Okay, Godspeed to Sterling yeah. Shepard. Hope you get back. That's tough after an Achilles. That that is just, that's a tough double whammy mentally. Hey, come on, man. We hope you're all right. Luck, it's gonna suck. We hope you're okay. But it leads to a conversation that happens on a regular basis, then it kind of disappears because there's a lot more spectacular things to talk about. 
Let's just get grass in these stadiums. And let's maintain them because the shitty grass fields are fucking terrible too because the shitty grass fields become the excuse for teams not to get grass fields because yeah. they go, oh, you want to have what Pittsburgh had for a long time where they're just spray painting fucking dirt basically. Chicago was a shit right? show yes. for a long time. Washington. Like, no, there should be a standard. Like, I assume the Premier League has because soccer ball rolling on the field has to be it. There should be a standard for what the goddamn grass is. If we're not going to get a dome everywhere, which I'm a big proponent of. Sure. Well, put a roof over everything. Hmm. They're doing it in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. they are. Sorry, being talked about. They have no Mayor sense. Lightfoot said we're putting a fucking dome over this thing. They need and it. Sucks. And I said, hey. Mayor, I don't know about everything else you do, but I'll tell you what, I'm a fan of that move. Yeah, I'm bored. All right, I don't know about any of your other policies or how you've handled yourself. Seems like everybody does not like you. Yeah. Seems like both parties are done with you at this point. But if you want to put a dome over the Chicago field, I'm with it, okay? I am absolutely with it because I'm a kicker and I'm a punter, and uh, I love that type of thing. But I do understand, you know, the snow falling in Lambeau is just Nothing better. Mm-hmm. It's you a like retractable, thing. at least? Yeah, I like retractable roof. I like the option. I like the option. But if it... If we don't have to deal with 55-mile-an-hour winds, like, I'm okay with that as well. It's terrible for the game. New England-Buffalo last year, okay? Buffalo finally has their team to go against this New England team. And because it's fucking 75-mile-an-hour winds, we get seven pass attempts from Josh Allen. (laughs) Like, uh, it's a primetime game, too. I get it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. But you know why they're changing rules? Because it's not awesome. Nobody likes watching. They actually like offense. They like the ball thrown around. They like that whole thing. Put a dome over everything. Let the kickers and punters be happy. I'm only saying that as a former punter. So people that are going to be like, oh, you're soft. Yeah, okay, I am directly as a punter. But the grass field, have a fucking standard. Have it have to be a certain length. Have it be a whole thing. They could do that. And I assume there's some stank motherfucker out there yeah. that could probably build a whole thing for them. The, the technology that they're using on these farms nowadays. Yeah, it's unbelievable. With That's the seeding and the, the watering and the UV, like everything they have. That'd be something I assume some fucking farmer genius hillbilly brilliant connoisseur of fucking growing stuff what? could figure out Remember for that the NFL. Remember we showed? It was from England, I think. That it was all underground. It had like all the hydro stuff. Yes. Yeah, Tottenham. took care of it all. Yeah. The new stadium. Yeah, the field. And if they had a concert, that fucking grass yeah. would yes. go down and then yeah. the concert thing would go up yeah. and then the lighting would still be on the grass so it's still mm-hmm. getting UV rays and water and everything. That's what I'm talking about. Like, And there has to be a way to put like, a, I don't want to say bounce to it, but if you put give. that grass on something that has a little bit of give, you're probably going to get an even better brand of football. Like, honestly, don't you think you'd probably get an even better brand of football? 100%. I think everybody loves grass, and I think Vegas even copied Arizona. I think they're mm-hmm. doing the same thing with the tray that comes out. Yeah. It's thick enough. They're able to have the soil, the dirt, the grass. Everybody should be able to do it if you can keep grass alive in that fucking weather. We care about player safety, don't we? Player health. Goddamn right. Absolutely. Players of the say game. we do. Yeah. Do we actually care or not, huh? <laughs> tell us. You tell us, dude. Do you care about this thing? Yeah, you do, right? Changing helmets, wearing guardians. Yeah, they're huge. How are they going to walk without these? How are they going to run routes without these? You can't. Huh? Let's take care of these too, huh, Raj? Can't wait to hear Raj have to tell all these billionaires. All right, so there's this new thing we're doing. Hear me out. It's going to cost an extra $10 million a year for every single stadium. Oh, no, we're not doing it. Nope. Nope. Send it back. Oh, ask Mara. 
And Mara, by the way, your team stinks again. You guys started undefeated two games, and the whole thing stinks. You think he was happy to lose Sterling Shepard with how much money he's paying him? Mara, why don't you tell him that if we would have had grass, we don't do that. Is that cool? How about you, pal? Odell Beckham Jr., you like him getting hurt in the middle of the Super Bowl? You like that? Huh? Boom. You like that? I, I would like Roger Goodell to do that. Probably would never happen. Well, yeah, but they're going to London this weekend. Like, let's go to Tottenham. Let's find the information. Let's find the fucker that built that thing, and let's bring him to America, and let's have him put those retractable, you know, fields, grass. In every single stadium. Yeah, like it steal the blueprints. Sense. Yeah, steal, steal the steal. blueprints. Exactly. Steal the blueprints. Steal. You're over there already. It's simple. <laughs> Find the lad's house. Yeah. Show him the flat. declaration. Sorry. Find the oh, lad's flat. flat. There it is. Go right in there and steal the blueprints. Yeah. Remember the remember the tea party? How'd that end up for you, yeah. England? Just give us the blueprints or else we'll take it. We'll dump the tea. They haven't forgot. No. no. You want that type of turmoil with brand new king? No, oh, not a chance. I don't, think so. I don't think so. That king's fat fingers? You think he's going to be bending over backwards to help you <laughs> if you don't fat? just hand him over? I don't think so. King got fat fat fingers? Oh, my God, yeah. They were giving it to him. Yeah. He's got saucies. Oh, little pork sausages. Worst yeah. I've ever seen in my entire... They look like inflatable balloons. It's terrible. So if I do recall, a foot, right, measure is the size of a king's foot. Yeah, that's how they came up with right. it, right? Right, and then, like, the king had the sizes. Like, things were based off of the king sizes. What if this is what the new sizing for Disgusting. fucking fingers? What if that's the new normal thing? Is I that mean, the new guy? If that's the new normal finger. So he's got a, he got stung by something, right? Right in the arm? No, wow. he, he's actually just <laughs> never used his hands a day in his life. Not one. He's never wrote in anything. He's never carried anything. Actually, the hardest thing he's ever done is put that ring on his finger, and he hasn't been able to take it off because it's so fat. And literally, you know, like the worst thing that's gonna he's gonna have to do is get that thing off. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're gonna have to. Yeah, they'll let him die, and then they'll he's just going snap through something here. That ain't healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. They that's did release weird. like a, a list of his demands every morning when he wakes up. It showed him yeah. signing like his first royal decree, and this fucking doofus spilled ink all over his himself. And he's like, "Oh, this bloody ink! I hate it." He's a dipshit. <laughs> he really is. Wrote, wrote the wrong date on yeah. the thing he signed. Yeah. His wife had to tell him, like, hey, that's not what today is. <laughs> you get some free time to Google what this guy does every single morning when yeah. he wakes up. Check it out. It is unbelievable. That's why the queen lived till she was 98. She's like, can't let this fucking. Yeah, pretty mm -hmm. much. The exactly. world will end if I fucking yeah, die. My son is a dipshit. Oh, That's what she said. I he's pretty that. old too, huh, honey? Yeah. yeah. He's very old. 76 or something. He carries around a little box that has like biscuits and jelly in it yeah. everywhere like he Ted goes. Ted Lasso? Kind of like yeah. Ted Lasso. Wow. This guy's similar. a Ted Lasso king? Uh, mm. I mean, that might be a stretch because Ted Lasso, although he seems like a dipshit, he's actually pretty heady, you know, pretty intelligent, One can natty. get through to people. Great at darts. Great yeah. at darts. Great at darts. This guy is just a dipshit through and through okay. and kind of just lucked in to becoming king and... Well, I think everybody that's ever become king. Well, true. That's kind of how it works. But if you take a temperature on, you know, the people in England right now... I don't think they're doing cartwheels that uh, this guy is God save the queen, they're saying, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. They, they want God the other kill kid. the queen. They want the other kid? Yeah, they want Markle's brother-in-law, whoever he is, William or Not Henry. the redhead, the not other the, one. Yeah, not the Harry. redhead, the other one. Harry, sure. Harry? 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 Wasn't Harry, isn't he married to Meghan Markle and William? Who? William? Bill? Yeah, William. No, Bill was with Markle, for sure. Bill King. 
I don't know who's King who. Bill. King Bill would be sweet. It's got a good ring to it. Yeah. God, imagine fucking Bill McComas walking around. Well, I mean, that is his RuneScape character, King Bill, so I think he does do that anyway. His what character? RuneScape. What's that? It's an online community of people who play games and they pull each other's butt because they're so <laughs> bored. Hey, look, I'm just telling you the facts here. What's your problem? What do you mean? We're talking about King Bill. We're trying to. Yeah. And you had, did you say something about pulling a plug? A pud. Pull oh. each other's puds. Oh, even yeah, worse. Exactly. Yeah. They would pull each other's plug because RuneScape is a cutthroat game. A lot of it's savages. Bob on there. All right, let's move around. There's some other stories to talk about. So the king's a dipshit? Yeah, yes. big time. Everybody thinks it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we didn't just offend an entire little tiny island that's smaller than Pennsylvania that's a country. No. Uh-huh. You all need to fucking relax over there, by the way. His first day England, in office. You guys are about this big. Let's, yeah. uh, tiny. You guys used to be, okay? Everyone else. We heard all said, about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Twitter reminded us of all the things that you guys have done. Exactly. Whenever the queen passed away. I got mis- massive respect, though. Went over there for uh, NFL game. Right. Everybody had a great personality. Yeah. Everybody was incredibly nice to us. I think I actually very much enjoy the English folk. Cool yeah, accent. Of very cool accent. But India doesn't forget. So Well, not just them. I mean, there's, not just them. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of folks that didn't forget. I realized whenever the queen passed because Twitter oh. became one of the most electrifying places of all time. Now, if you were a queen member of the queen's family or a member of the fan club the of the queen, which there was a lot of people, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. probably not a good night to be on, Stay off, on yeah. Twitter. But if you're just kind of indifferent about it all, like, yeah, I don't understand why this is a thing still in America, but I appreciate that it is a thing for other people. Twitter was the greatest place on earth whenever oh, that queen passed God. away. And when Rest in peace to her, obviously. Of course, RIP. When we look back on it, though, like, hey, remember when the queen died? All My, we'll think of is, is yeah, Twitter. There's 545,000 tweets burying the queen, and it was hilarious. They, well, for some people. For some people, not yeah. for all people. For me, it was fucking hysterical. So funny, dude. There was some shit said about yeah. that queen. The, the crown. The, you know, the we, real we internet. Sh- the internet that. showed up, though. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like All, we, all facets of Came it. together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was. Like, hey, let's put on a show today. So I assume this new king is happy that that is still ha- like still the. Is this, is this king getting murdered by everybody on the internet? Or people so. just don't care enough? No, I think if people don't care, then they're indifferent regardless. But anyone who does care is like, yeah, this guy's a fucking dipshit. You know, long may she reign. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if this dipshit gives us the blueprints to the Tottenham uh, Stadium so we can put him in all the NFL stadiums, Saucy Fingers is good by me. I love him. All right, I love him too. <laughs> Let's get some grass in those fields, Goodell, huh? Let's do it. Tomorrow. Better yet, today. Wouldn't the owners want to do this, though? Protect their players. Uh, did you hear what it would probably? It would probably cost ten, twenty million. Who knows? What the owners want to do is protect this. You are awesome, Dito. You're on. That's like one of the coolest. See, oh, I love you, man. Uh, baby Z. Good guy. All comes down to the cost of maintenance. No, no, no maintenance on turf. No, let's talk about it. Zito, though, that was like very genuine. It sounded yeah. like. Once these guys want to protect their players, yeah, you would hope. You would hope that's the case. And I think, you know, we'll move to a society. This is once again the same thing where, like, we can hope for something and still realize what the reality is, though. Sure. We're all working towards what we're hoping for, but we have to recognize that this is actually where we're at right now. A lot of people think we're here, 
hoping to be here and just fail to realize that this is actually what this place is, okay? In this particular case, the NFL is a business. So although there are some owners, I feel like, who genuinely have the player's best interest at heart, that's not necessarily the case for all teams. AQ just gave me a look and said some owners, huh? I think he expected me to say no owners. I do believe there are some owners who have the player's best interest at heart, maybe even over the bottom line. But this clip from uh, Slow News Day, which is by Kevin Clark of The Ringer, Spotify, talking to Ed Reed, is a beautiful, beautiful depiction of what the NFL is viewed like by players and by the NFL and by the fans. Ed Reed, I believe everybody agrees, one of the greatest players of all time, one of the coolest players of all time, maybe one of the most well-liked players of all time by all parties, by all teams, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. teammates, coaches, other teams, other players, other fans, Rivals. everybody yeah. fucking liked Ed Reed. Here's Ed Reed talking about the Lamar Jackson situation. And at the beginning of this answer that we don't have on here, Ed Reed says, I'm not talking about somebody else's business, but since I am an analyst, I will give my analyst description of what my advice to Lamar Jackson would be. Listen to how he talks about how the NFL is, as opposed to what we think it is or what we hope it is, how it actually is, and how players view it because they've been through it and had to live it. Here's Ed Reed on Slow News Day with Kevin Clark, a show from The Ringer. If I was to give him an advice, you know, I mean, he's in season now. He's playing. Um, I know he's not practicing either yesterday or today, you know, so, you know, he just got to be smart. You know, I'm not telling him to play scared or anything because I don't think he's going to do that. He hasn't displayed that, Um, but he has to be smart, you know, because it is a business, you know, and they will use that shit against you, you know, whether you like it or not. You can think these people love you, you know, they're showing their true colors right now. You know, and there's no shots at the Ravens because they're an organization that's a business. It's a business first. You know, it's the NFL and it's football to the players and us, and we love that. You know, but it's a business first to the league. Um, I experienced it. I know it for a fact. That shit hasn't changed. Um, You know, but that's just the way it is, man. You got to and you got to know how to operate your business. You know, it's the real world. It's no different than being in any other business. So is he? It's it's no different than being in other business. So So what he's talking about is basically, hey, the NFL is a business. So Zito's saying, oh, don't they want this for the safety of their players? Yeah, I I guess in theory, publicly, they would want to say that. But at the end of the day, the NFL, the players, the stadium, the field, everything is to garner capital. It is a business, and they're running business very, very good. Now, that is why when you start to word things like this, and we obviously all believe that Lamar Jackson needs to get paid, pay that man his money. Right. A lot of it. You're looking like assholes every week that goes by and how Lamar plays for not paying him his money. Even if it's not, you know, how much you think he deserves – the Cleveland Browns just told you exactly what he thinks he deserves. Yeah. And that's how business is done. Business is to be done how business has been done. The Cleveland Browns paid Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. Lamar Jackson says, hey, I'm just doing how your business is done in your league with your fellow owner. This is what I command. And it feels like everybody 
is on the same page as Lamar saying, pay that fucking man his money. Yes. Every Ravens fan says, fucking pay this guy, which is rarely the case because normally the NFL team will do a full marketing push of what they actually offered, what they think, why they think it's fair, some other stuff through some sources, through some media people. Hey, let's get this narrative out there so we can get our fans on our side. That has not been the case in Baltimore at all. No. Everybody in Baltimore is like, yeah, we fucking want our guy to be here. We want to pay him. And let's stop pissing him off, okay, because we'd like him to not leave immediately after the two franchise tag years if you do decide to lock him in for another two years, which they can do after this season. But to back it up, if it's not making money for the NFL, they do not give a fuck. But I do think the way we got to paint it to them, the way it's got to be painted to these owners is, hey, you lose Sterling Shepard, your team's probably going to stink. Your team stinks. How many stadiums are you selling out later? How much money are you making off concessions and merch sales and playoff opportunities and everything like that for the New York Giants? I think that's how it has to be laid out for anything to ever get done. And I think Ed Reed did a great job of saying, like, hey, this is reality. It's a fucking business. I hate it. We all hate it. But this is just what it is. We hope someday it's not like that. But this is how it is currently, and I really appreciate and respect the hell out of Ed Reed because it kind of ties this whole thing together, AQ. you got to love former players. you got to love current players that are willing to speak out about it because it's the truth, right? It is. They understand it's a business. It is a business. It all comes down to the dollar, and that's the way they look at it. And the way they honestly look at it is regardless if Sterling Shepard's on the field, they're still going to sell out. They're still going to make their money, and that's a shitty way. I don't know if the Giants will still sell out. Will they? No. I don't think so. If, I mean, we'll see what happens, but it does seem like this is one of those things that happens where, you know, the Giants season might take They were undefeated going into last year. They were. They You're were. saying we shouldn't give up on it yet. No, no. It, well, I'm not sure. The Panthers were 3-0 and last year. Just got to remember that when we're in this area of That's the season. point. But also the teams that went on to win a Super Bowl also good this time. They start hot, yep. They start hot this time of year as well. So who knows what we know about who. Um, But I think the whole everything revolves around the dollar is what fans have to remember, especially whenever you see a player do something that is considered, oh, this asshole, he gets to play in the NFL, he doesn't have to play in the NFL, and he's doing this. It's like these owners are doing the exact same thing and would do the exact same thing. So just have a little bit of patience, hopefully, and respect for the way they do business. Well, that's what's so interesting about the Lamar situation is they know what he's capable of. They know what they want him to do and what they think he will do if they're going to be successful this year. But because they haven't paid him, and Ed Reed kind of alluded to it a little bit in that clip, it's not that it's explicitly this way, but it almost seems like they're kind of hoping he gets hurt Maybe not, you know, not something super serious, but that he gets hurt and he's out four to six weeks so they can be like, oh, yeah, hey, style of play. you know, listen, we can't, you know, we can't trust you to be out there for 17 games every week, which just seems crazy to me because either you're hoping for it to be that way or the other reality is he's going to play the whole season. He's going to break a bunch of records. And then, yeah, you're going to be staring down a situation where he's going to say, hey, what you offered me earlier, like, that ain't fucking cutting it anymore. Not even close. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the final number is for Lamar, where, and how it all pans out. You ever see a guy with a treadmill in his hotel room? What's that all about? I don't know. I really don't. But if it works for him, it works. Right? I know. Is different. that motherfucker just running all the time? Like, is he just in the best shape of all time, all the time? I, what? Because my could first be, he thought, could be wanting to do something, you know, even just like light walking, back, like activate hamstrings, morning up, whatever it is, right? But oh, I didn't even think about hmm, that. A lot of guys are starting to kind of request that, whether it's like a bike or something, just to kind of get going. Can we get Lamar in a suite too? Yeah, yeah no I mean, kidding. what are we doing? 
You know what I mean? He's in a room like the size that I would get. That's yeah. a, that baby little room that I would get. The Colts would put me in a closet somewhere. Like, thank you guys, appreciate that. Who made this decision? Seems like GM probably, if I had to guess. But what? What? I'd never seen a treadmill in a room. I love it. It's there though, and whatever Lamar's doing is working. Fucking four touchdowns, five touchdowns last week. Yeah. One rushing, rush for uh, another hundred yard game. His twelfth of his career, which breaks his own record for number of hundred yard rushing games. I fucking love everything about Lamar, though. Well, I really do. And even if the Ravens are like, yeah, maybe if he gets hurt, you know, we might be able to drive the price down. But then instead of you know Lamar looking at the Deshaun contract, can he look at the Dak Prescott contract and be like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, I got hurt, but it wasn't as bad as Dak, and Dak still got like eighty million dollars last year. If Lamar Jackson. He's playing any semblance of Lamar Jackson football. Yes. In three years, this season counting. So in two years after this season, some owner is going to pay him three x what right. the Baltimore Ravens offered him. Some Tepper. owner will yeah. somewhere. Tepper. Who knows what they'll get figured out? Some new owner might come in. Seattle Seahawks might be up for sale in twenty twenty four. That's a rumor going around the internet right now. So there's another big fucking market team that's going to have a lot of bazillionaires up in that area that are going to buy that team who have Ballmer. a lot of cash. Yeah, maybe Ballmer gets into the NFL Miami. game. Think about what he's going to want to pay for cash over cap to get a guy. Lamar would be a great guy in Seattle yeah. to rally everybody. I mean, there's just like so much more money coming into the league. Lamar knows it, and I think he's doing smart business. Now he has to stay. He has to remain Lamar Jackson, which is the bet that he's putting on himself. But anytime somebody bets on himself, I fucking love it. I enjoy it, and I want to see him get paid out, just like Joe Flacco did, didn't God he? Damn right. Joe Flacco did with Baltimore. weren't yeah. you there then? Were you there for the Joe Flacco era? I came the year after. Oh, I, sorry. I missed, I missed the ring there, but you got rich Joe Flacco though. Got rich Joe Flacco. Good Christmas Joe Cool nice Joe Flacco. What was Joe Flacco like his teammate? He was awesome. Everybody I mean, enjoyed him? Yeah, everybody enjoyed him, and he was, he was so good at throwing the deep ball. I mean, I loved playing with him because, you know, you'd sit there at the 20, and you had the opportunity to take it to the other 20 real quick. Or? Or go three and out. Yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, <laughs> hey, that happens. hey, that's football. That's uh -huh. right. That's absolutely Joey Footsteps Flacco football, baby. That's every single drive. And, you know, the Ravens will play Flacco because back then it was, what, $120 million? Now we're looking at $320 million. And It's going to be there like two years from now. That's, it'll probably be like a $300 some million yeah. guarantee. And, yeah. and that's post two franchise tag, both of which will be in the 40 to $50 million range. But there is an old saying, you leave your for show money. Hmm. Looking for mo money, you might end up with no oh money. But in this case, he's going to end up with so much so money. Much. Yeah, he's going to be incredibly rich no matter what, and it's basically whether or not Baltimore wants him to be rich in Baltimore as opposed to somewhere else. Yeah, figure it out, Baltimore. What do you uh -huh. say? This guy's a good player. Do you think it's possibly in a negotiation tactic, too, uh, with Deshaun Watson in the division? He's like, hey, you saw this guy at a massage table, you know, next to his bed. I want a <laughs> treadmill so you know, like, I'm working. I'm getting ready for the game on Sunday. I'm not doing this other bullshit. Well, do you think he's negotiating with every other team? Because remember... Ian Rappaport, when he told us about Deshaun's uh, negotiation situation mm -hmm. and Lamar's negotiation situation, he said, you know, Lamar does everything right, so it kind of puts him in a bad spot negotiating-wise. Deshaun had the ability to be a free agent, basically, with multiple teams bidding. Now it's just the Ravens. So maybe he should bring in, like, you know, something terrible. Into it. He needs to... Jimmy Seafood. Is, yes, there, there it is. is. You bring in those assholes mm -hmm. that are celebrating cicadas over there. And yeah. Maybe created COVID. We don't know. Has it come out? 
Uh, it hasn't been substantiated, but there's rumors. Has been Those disproved. Crab either. cakes, so good, so good. Crab cakes, so good. Oh. Steak is so Seafood good. Oh. The vibes in that place, mm. immaculate. Yeah, lobster. They got a bakery downstairs where there's pies and mm. shit. Unbelievable. So good. Unbelievable. Literally everything that comes out of that place is good except for COVID that they created there right. and cicadas. That's right. Yeah. That uh, came out of there. That's Jimmy Seafood, and obviously the owners are. Who we thought they were. Yeah, right. they're, you know, kind of dirtbags. But uh, do you think Whoa. with the whole Lamar situation, Tyler Huntley playing so well every time he comes in has kind of hurt him almost? I don't know. Maybe it's just trade Lamar. Yeah, to. There you go. Hey, you well, know, any hey, team that needs him. Just trade him. Yeah, trade him right here to Indianapolis. Yeah, he what? could trade him to Indianapolis, but then, you know, the tax would have to go up so we could pay him. You have an astronaut. <laughs> Connor learned about the uh, the payment of the Lucas Oil Stadium here in town, and it is not something he has forgot about. No, never will either. Jim Irsay somehow made money building a new stadium. Incredible, That's incredible, business. good businessman. Incredible business. Like Eight hundred million dollars paid like fifty incredible. bucks, right? No, that's oh, not like that. something like that. The way he got it sponsored and the way he went about getting the public funding and the sponsorship at the same time. If our anal- we didn't get to see the books, we have not got to see the books behind the right. behind the scenes. But from outside looking in, it seems like Jim Mercy maybe had one of the greatest business moves of all time. Absolutely. And now he has one of the greatest stadiums in the NFL. Although it's a little bit too comfortable, I think, for some people. A little bit. Yeah. People just. Except for away fans. It's not that comfortable for them. They were so loud. Chiefs fans were so fucking loud, dude. So Chiefs loud. travel well. We talked about this yeah. yesterday. It was re- we were sitting there doing the national anthem, and we're on the field level, you know, so we're staying there. You can kind of look around and see the whole thing. And I knew that we were playing the Chiefs, but I had forgot about the, the end of that national anthem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were there, dude. Oh, and they In let you know. The that fucking thing rattled. I think a lot of yeah. Colts fans are like, oh, oh my geez. God, no, we are not alone in here. It actually startled me. It, me too. I, I didn't know what it was at first. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the Chiefs thing. Me, me, I had the same exact thoughts, and I've been a part of it on the field yeah. in, at the kingdom. It's awesome there. Awesome. Like the entire place doing it. The field feels like it's actually rattling. Like it's a, it's a cool rendition on something that happens in every single stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't always be that way. It wasn't always the national anthem every game. You remember that? When we first got yeah. to the NFL, it wasn't every single game. It was no. only big games. Yeah. And then something happened, and obviously the National Anthem became the storyline. Right. And then now everybody does the National Anthem because I think everybody wants to make it a thing and the whole performance and a, the stadium. It's a part of the show almost now at this point. Who's singing it, how it's being sung, it happens everywhere. Normally, pretty standard, boring shit. Yeah. Big flag, singer. Singer good? Okay. Uh, singer bad? Okay. okay. N- rarely singer unbelievable. Yeah. R- rarely like whatever, because every singer says national anthem is impossible to sing anyways, because where you got to start or whatever. So normally the national anthem is the same exact thing pretty much everywhere. Like once you get through it, the, the symbolicness of it, that it's about to be the kickoff though, is what guys kind of, I think, get emotional about. Like, yes. Okay, when the national anthem's playing, it's like, okay, obviously, that, I think a lot of guys pray during that. I think it's a moment of like, hey, we're about to do this. It's like a, it's a symbolic thing more so than anything. The Chiefs fans making that their own and remixing it and it being legit 
is what I fucking love. Like getting to experience that on Sunday, Foxy, I'm happy you were there. Now imagine for the entire stadium being that way no. because they're not letting any visitors in there and buy any of the tickets. So maybe a few sneak in, but it's not enough to fucking rattle the stadium like Lucas Oil Stadium was. That was fucking awesome. It was man. so loud, and I couldn't imagine it at the Chiefs place because I actually thought it was Colts fans. That's how loud it was. I couldn't believe it. They were loud there, well, and they were also loud on that penalty at the very end of the game. A lot of booze came out there. Well, can't use abusive language. We'll get to it quick here, <laughs> AQ. You just can't say rude stuff to Matt Ryan. I don't know what Stone Cold Chris Jones thought he was allowed to do, uh, but you can't be saying that type of stuff to Matt Ryan. And uh, on a follow-up, just to you know, hold some sense of credibility, and I said this yesterday, it's real, can't have shit talk be the reason why a game goes a different direction. Like, yeah. that ref throwing that flag right there, Matt Ryan was jogging off. The, not, Matt Ryan didn't look at the ref and go, you hear what <laughs> naughty language you just said? Like, Matt Ryan didn't do that. Matt Ryan didn't do that. Chris Jones didn't think anything of it either. The punt team was on the field. Matt Ryan was off the field. And then that ref's like, nope, actually come back on. Going to go win this game. So the ref must have been mightily offended by whatever Chris Jones said. But also, like, can't fucking, can't have that be a determiner of a game. I think you got to know situations are situational. Fourth quarter, five minutes left. This team's like, that can't be third down. That can't be the reason why game changes. Can't have it. I mean, I, I have such a big issue with the fact that the refs send out these points of emphasis thing. No, no, no. It's uh, points of uh, celebration or clarification. Yeah, points, clarification. points of clarification. Not No longer points of emphasis. Points okay. of clarification is the new wording and the new verbiage. Regardless of what it is, they're told to look for something more. And then you have these off-season conversations and now taunting or celebrations or trash talk, all these things that were celebrated on Mike Dupps for years and years and years well, cost games. Yeah. Can't have it. Well, Matt Ryan, though, is just one of those guys. He's too handsome, too professional. He can't say rude things. I'm happy the ref saw it the same way. Look at the body language, too, though. Like, Chris Jones is smiling. Like you said, Matt Ryan's not like, can you believe what this guy said? Like, it what could he have possibly said that would that you'd get a flag there? Like, this isn't fucking high school football. This is the NFL. Matt Ryan just jogging off. All right, we're out of here. Quentin Nelson probably heard what was said there. I think everybody agrees that Quentin Nelson's a dog. Yeah. So if Quentin Nelson up. was offended by what was said, don't you think he would potentially grab Jones by his fucking head? I think he would. So it's just, what, will we ever know what was said? Never. But will we ever care? No, no, this can't happen. I, I think the more I, I thought about this last night, I was sleeping on it because a lot of Chiefs fans said thank you to us for taking, talking about the way we were because we benefited from it. I benefited from it directly. Yes. Five and a half seemed to be covered regardless, although yeah. Patrick Mahomes could have went down there and got it. So my bet's going to hit anyways, but I'm a Colts fan. Happy we got to fucking win. So I did benefit from it, but that can't be the case. What were you going to say, Foxy? I was going to say, aside from this, have we had any really bad calls in any other games yet? Uh, that last, last night, that night. pass interference yeah, that, yeah, bad. was bad on Sterling. Oh, there was yep. a goal line yep. play with Bears versus Packers too. It's kind of blown, but I don't think anybody no. thought that. No. Oh, but okay. that Bears is this year. Let's throw it on there. Tony Cranty, Cassius Marsh. Oh, don't get me started. That this one right there. Yeah, yeah. Third down, getting off the field. Fourth quarter, five minutes left. Huge. That's play. why they kicked him off to be a ref anymore. Ugh, that's tough stuff. All right, let's go around some more news. Miles Garrett in a bad car accident yesterday. Yeah. His Porsche uh, was driving on a wet road, is what's mm -hmm. being reported, and he went to dodge an animal, and he and a passenger uh, started to roll down the highway. And his car 
And Bleacher Report reported about it. Tom Pelissero did as well. Uh, he went into the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. He was released from the hospital. And my immediate thought whenever they said non-life-threatening injuries, I thought, okay, if that's where they're setting this, because they could have said no break, no broken bones, nothing like that. So whenever they decided to describe it as non-life-threatening, I go, oh, shit, like some serious stuff happened. Fucked then up. you see the photos of his car. Oh. Man. This is scary, especially with how big fucking Miles Garrett is. You'd assume he's taking up a lot of the room in that Porsche. Yeah. So how much space is there for his body if this thing's going to go down and collapse like that? We hear he's okay. I wonder if we'll get an update on what the injuries are. If Miles Garrett, who is built like an absolute fucking titan and a gladiator, gets through this with no broken bones and nothing like that, I think we'll all be incredibly surprised and wildly impressed. And we're happy to hear he's okay. But goddamn, this is just another reminder that any given moment of your life can change so you might as well enjoy every single moment he's trying to dodge a fucking animal on a wet road in one of the best cars that can handle yeah. a porsche can handle the road very well it is supposed to be yeah. like whipped around almost low center of gravity it's got good everything in there so he probably thought he was okay who knows how fast he was going they will probably overanalyze all of that type of stuff especially with what's going on with odell beckham jr on yeah i think espn nfl's instagram account that was a wild thing the post but i hope he's okay and uh man we it's a it's a it's a nice quick reminder about perspective of life and what can happen and can't happen very very quickly i think yeah because you 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 know anytime something like this happens people always assume like oh he was either either drugs involved or he's drinking or whatever just the middle of the day and you're driving a car like that and if it is a deer or something like imagine you hit a deer in that car like Problems. probably kill you're probably dying like there's a good chance of yeah very good chance more so than if you're driving an escalator a big suv or something like that and yeah it's just like you you have no idea what's gonna happen thank god he's okay because i i thought the same thing non-life-threatening like he could have still broke both of his legs, yes. broken an arm, broke yes. both his arms. Like Especially in a Porsche where he's big body, too. Huge. That thing's kind of set up like an Indy car. You're kind of going up underneath that yeah. a little bit with how low it is to the ground. Hope he's okay. Miles Garrett is obviously a stud. That Browns team is going to need him going forward, and uh, we just hope he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Human side of it. T's and P's. That's got to be a tough car for his big ass to get in. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, getting into that thing, he's got to do a full. You think he was going? I mean, there's a full slip underneath the wheel. The steering wheel also becomes problematic. Yeah. You know? As somebody who has pretty good-sized quads, used to at least. I'm building them back, though. Yeah, bringing them back in the Hawk house. He's, yeah, the Hawkeye's got a quad machine there. Yeah. Get a little, he's 6'4", 275, though. Jeez. So getting into any car. Problematic. SUV, problematic. Let alone a Porsche that's already a little bit lower. He's getting into that thing. Hope he's okay. Hope he is okay. Um, Joey Bosa has a significant groin injury and will be week to week. Left tackle Rashawn Slater expected to miss the rest of the season with a biceps tear. The Chargers conversation going into the season was this is the year yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah. this is the year for the chargers they get one more year in staley's system herbert's going to be comfortable he's continuing to grow he got a chance to showcase who he was last year and in his rookie year his rookie year it didn't seem like they understood situational football they lost a lot of close games last year they don't make the playoffs again at the end of the season there's a situation that happens where they could potentially make the playoffs head coach makes a decision they end up losing not going to the playoffs this is the year though darius butler numerous other pundits and experts are saying hey this is the squad that's going to go. They get weapons. They bring in Khalil Mack. They got J.C. Jackson. Obviously, they repay Derwin James. The Chargers are the team to talk about and go forward. Now, they're out everybody. Yep. Yeah. They're, they seem to be out everybody. 
Quarterback has fractured rib cartilage. They still had him drop back 80% of the time on Sunday. Hmm. That was the highest percentage of any NFL team on Sunday, the guy with broken ribs. Matt Hasselbeck told us yesterday that when he had that, it is just a miserable pain. It's going to be tough. Now, he did get an injection. Who knows what that means? All-pro center, Corey Lindsley, knee injury, been out. All-pro left tackle now, out for the season. Number one wide receiver, Keenan Allen, strained hamstring. Who knows when he'll be back? Top pass rusher now, Joey Bosa, groin injury, week to week. They said it's pretty severe. Top cornerback not responding as expected from ankle surgery. That's J.C. Jackson, I believe. So whenever you look at that team, you can see why they maybe aren't living up to the hype that we put on them beforehand. Because anytime somebody gets injured, especially at an important position, you can be fucked, let alone all of them. AQ, your thoughts on the Chargers? Yeah, listen, you can afford to lose one. You cannot elude, afford to lose five Pro Bowl-type players. I mean, that is too much talent not on your roster at one point. And they're all pretty significant injuries. You're losing guys for extended periods of time. Starting the season one and two, they have a long road to go. They do, and I, uh, I'm worried about it because I love the goddamn Chargers. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. I love their fan base. Mm-hmm. I like their team. Yeah. I like Kyle Van Noy, obviously. We're big fans of his and everybody else that's coming. Austin Eckler, he unfollowed us. Yeah, what, what? the fuck? What the hell? Is that why they're not giving him the ball? Because he, he unfollowed me? Yeah. I don't know. Could be. See if any gets any more bits from us on Twitch. I'm sending them. We're keeping our bitties to ourselves. That's right. Uh, No more subs. No more subs. No, I'm joking. But he did give a full injury report on his Twitch, and we had to talk about it. I wonder if that is why. Ooh. I wonder if that's why. Did we piss him off? We weren't overly negative about it. It was just like, this is kind of crazy. I mean, we we were. I mean, if you were to be Austin Eckler, listen to us talk about it. Do you remember? We were like, yeah, never seen this before. Uh, We'd assume that it. The team is not going to be happy about this, but we do enjoy it. Like, we tried our best to keep it positive, but it was fascinating what he was saying. And the conversation should be about how injured they are, but instead the conversation is going to be Chargers are letting down everybody yet again. Football is here week three of the NFL Sunday and Monday and Thursday slate is over. We have a lot of things to break down and digest, especially in this hour two, where we'll be joined not only by the toxic table at Boston Connor and at Ty Schmidt. You boys look fantastic. You too, Pat. So do you. Oh, you're talking about talking about a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's nice. It's a good shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Comfortable. Hey, he got sent to the office. You know, I'm built like a spark plug, so most T-shirts not great. A lot of people think that I only wear tank tops because it's all I have. Now, I did have like 60 of the same tank top. It was very nice and it was convenient, but also for the way my body is built, it was like fantastic the way it flowed. Some T-shirts got sent to the office like a week or two ago, and I got a chance to see them. The way this one fits my particular body. He's good. Yeah, it's a It's a comfortable one. Now, I'm going to gain weight through the season. We'll see if it maintains, but whatever the case, I felt like today was the day. Last night, I had a tank top on with a, uh, with like a flannel, denim flannel thing over top. Look good. Got a text message from Herbie. He said, look at you in your little collared shirt. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. There's a tank top on underneath that. Everybody needs to relax. I was trying to do the whiteout to keep the Giants a winner because I bet on the Giants in the first half and in the Giants in the whole game. Made a bigger bet for the Giants first half because I knew I was going to be on with the Mannings. Wanted to have a little bit. A little juice. A little bit more interest oh, in what was going on. Now, obviously, they do not have the lead at halftime or at the end of the game. The Cowboys get a win. We'll hear about more about why and how that happened with our guy, A.Q. Shipley, who's sitting here hosting In the Trenches and the Bobbled Exchange podcast with Drew Stanton currently available. at a baby, A.Q. baby, A.Q. AQ Super Bowl champion, both as a coach and player, because wow. he was a player coach in the year they won a Super Bowl. That's no right. Big deal. This guy's Jackie Moon Super Bowl champion. Did you get two rings for that? Did you I get? I should have. 
I should have. I felt like I should have. Coach for one, player for the other. And it was about half the season for both because I got nine games as a player. I think you have a gripe. Yeah. yeah. I and think then, you have a gripe. Yeah. You're a two-time Super Bowl champion, <laughs> yeah. one as a player, Boom. one as a coach in the same exact year. Joining us now from an attic in Ohio, a man who joins us every single day, damn near. He's also a Super Bowl champion. He's a uh, all-time leading tackler for one of the oldest franchises in the NFL in the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wow. He's a college football national champion, a Ryder Cup champion, and he's beat COVID a couple times. Damn. Ladies and gentlemen, the face of Ohio, A.J. Hall. Yeah. Oh! What's up? What's up, dude? What's going on? I know you're a t-shirt guy now. Is that full go, like all the time? Uh, they only sent us two of them. So, <laughs> so I got this color and another color I'll never wear, which is white. You rarely see me in a white t-shirt. Can't you know, do it. Don't want the nips to be out there. Also, the sure. gut, you know, in yeah. white is a little bit tough. The nips, yeah. Don't the nips show through in a white t-shirt? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how anybody wears white t-shirts. People do, though, and I just assume that if I was to put it on, my nips would be out. So I can't mm -hmm. wear the white, uh, especially with the way my, my barrel body is built. It's basically forcing my nips onto my shirt. So, sure. you know, there's numerous things that go on in there. But I like this t-shirt. I appreciate you for knowing. AJ. Yeah, of course. It looks good. It looks like a nice, comfortable t-shirt. I, I understand. If you find a shirt that fits and you like, yeah, you want to get a thousand of them. Yes. That's what I'm going to be trying to do to these ones. <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. for this particular shirt to be worn for the next, I don't know, year and a half or so. Here we go. In different colors. And then when the summer comes back around, we'll bring tank top back. We'll figure it out as we go. Speaking of figuring out as we go, AJ, it seems like you have the NFL figured out. You had the Cowboys last night. They get a big win on the road on the weekend. I think you're like 11 and 6. Jeez. I mean, that is fucking unbelievable, oh, AJ. Fuck. You should feel very good about where you're at right now. What did you know about that Cowboys team last night that was going to go into the Meadowlands in New York and beat Danny Dimes, Day Bowl, in the New York Giants? squad that was already undefeated how'd you know AJ what were your thoughts on it what did you see well I think I knew I had confidence in Cooper Rush and what he could do I love what the the Dallas defense can do that was what kept me uh I guess the most optimistic and I knew Danny Dimes in the in the Giants offense yeah they've They've won a few games early, and they look good, but I didn't think they were super explosive. I'm going to put a ton of points up. Oh, you thought because they only had two passes past 20 yards in the entirety <laughs> of the season that maybe they weren't going to be able to make that Dallas Cowboys defense that is well coached by Dan Quinn, Micah Parsons, potential defensive player of the year candidate, defensive MVP candidate. You thought maybe with the lack of explosion that Peyton was talking about early, by the way. Peyton, the first couple drives, was like, this is where we need a shot. This is mm -hmm. where we need second down. Need double move here. They're sitting on it. They're sitting on it. Need double move. Then it was third and ten, and Eli was like, they might go for that double move now, and Peyton goes, need it on the first or second down. <laughs> Don't need it now. Then the next drive, same thing. Double move. They're sitting. They're sitting. Double move. They're sitting. They're sitting. I wonder why Hasselbeck was able to notice it yesterday. Didn't have enough time. Yeah, but Peyton's able to notice it. Hasselbeck's able to notice it. You might have more time. You take a deep shot, right, because the defense can't just fucking pin their ears back and come after you. I'm saying they couldn't keep him upright. Like, Daniel Jones was getting rocked all night, so maybe they, yep. they didn't feel comfortable calling any double moves because, like, we're gonna, hey, guys, we're going to need three and a half seconds, and we haven't had three and a half yet tonight. So, so you think that was a problem all season? You think Dayball recognized that as a problem? He hears what Hasselbeck is saying. He hears what the analytics people are saying. But he's saying in real life, we can't fucking protect this guy long enough for any what hey hey that sounds good Peyton yeah hey that sounds good Hasselbeck Dayball's like if you were the quarterback and I started calling double moves and like six seven second developing plays and you're just getting killed what would you say to me as the guy in Hasselbeck and man would be like all right well we're not so yeah. makes sense don't, don't care what you're saying yeah. but it feels like that is a problem saquon showed some explosion saquon's had a bounce back year which I think we're all happy for you know especially out of the Penn State University. Mm. Let's go. Let's go. The cult over there in Happy right. Valley, Pennsylvania. A yeah. uh, place that is, you know, 
known for a lot of things. Yeah. Infamous, Nebraska. I'd say. Like a lot of football wins. A lot of football Thanks, wins. Yeah, appreciate some that. other stuff. Certainly too. known for that. Poop and pants. Certainly easy, known for that. There's ski slopes easy out there somewhere. I don't know. You guys skiing over there? Is there? Uh, AJ's talking. Yeah, about I think there's some skiing. Oh, you're talking about, about cocaine? Sand dust. No, not, no, nothing to do with drugs. No, no drugs. Actual hills. Oh. No, you're not. You know what you're talking about, AJ. Nonetheless, we know what potentially people think of when they think of Penn State. Right. And it used to be football program incredible. Then something happened that was very terrible. And uh, you heard a lot of Penn State alums go, We didn't know. A lot of that. Uh No, it's a lot of that out of the Penn State folks. So it's kind of tough to take them serious for a while. You know, the Penn State people in our lives, very difficult to even have a conversation with because you'd be talking to them and you'd say, hey, you fucking dipshit. All right. Take your little sheep wool off your eyes and just look at the situation. And they couldn't do it. You know, these Penn State cult. Hey, weren't we talking about Saquon? Okay. All right. Let's get back to to Penn State. (laughs) What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Trying to say it. Joe knew. Oh, and they oh, all knew Joe knew. Jeez. Yikes. Anyway, out of here. Well, yeah, he's dead. Broken he heart. You're not saying like AQ knew what was going on, are you? I don't know. Let's well, ask I actually, I've never even thought about that. That is, that is something I just always assume no, but I mean, now that you mention it, I mean, maybe it's something we should dive into. We assume that a lot of people had no idea, but there was obviously a lot of wrongdoing. But that entire storyline took a lot of the attention away from the Penn State lore, right? The Penn State lore used to be, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Penn State people around the football team, what Arrington used to do. He was an absolute yeah. dog, fun to watch that team. The lore was that the football team, something terrible happens. A lot of allegations. That is not no longer the thought. Feels like maybe Penn State's getting back, and if Saquon continues to play well, I think it's good for Penn State as a whole. He was gone for a bit there. Yeah. yeah. Last couple of years seemed to be checked out. Injuries, the offensive line was terrible, but everybody was saying, well, if he's a guy, he can make anybody good. If he's a guy, he can make anybody good. This year feels like he's a fucking guy again. What do you think it is about a make you that is making these types of plays happen again when maybe in years past they were not taking place? Breaking tackles, having great vision, explosion, finishing the pile on, outrunning corners. This is the Saquon Barkley we all thought we're going to get for his entire NFL career. Obviously, people get hurt. They have situations they go through, but it's great to see him back. What do you think it is about this year's Saquon that makes him different than maybe years past? And will he continue to do this, you think? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this. ACL injuries are tough because it. everybody says it's a six-month to a year. Adrian Peterson was the anomaly coming back in six months, but it's typically an 18-month deal. So when he comes back last year, he's not hundred percent. Now he comes back this year. He's got all the motivation with people talking shit, and he's putting it together. He's having some great, great runs so far early in the season. And the O line did a fantastic job on that on that one play we just saw. They did a great job. They didn't do a great job in pass protection. No, but they did a good job blocking that run play. On that one play, you said. Yeah, I like the way you worded that. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> on that one play right there, where we just saw for a touchdown. This guy's did a good job. Impressive. On that one play right there. <laughs> How many plays I wonder the offense had last night? 40, 50 for the Giants, you think? What do you think normal? Just watch the flow of the game. What do you think? Yeah, it wasn't many. I mean, it's I mean, you're hoping for 65-ish. I think that's kind of the number you want to get to, and they were probably well below that. Yeah, they're below uh, 60 for sure, 50-something. Yeah, How about the Dolphins having 39 plays this weekend, getting a win? Still winning. It makes no sense. How about their defense being able to hold Josh Allen and the Bills to – 17 points on 90 plays. 90 play, What was it? 39? 40-40. No, yeah. no. 39 first downs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To like 15 or something. 39 first downs, 17. Really? That many? 
Yeah, I think so. We have Jeez. we have the graphic. Foxy's trying to find it right now in the system. How would you hold him to 17? Sorry, 31 first downs. 40 minutes of possession. Yes, yes dude. 497 right. yards, bro. One punt for the Bills, five for the Dolphins. Now, I got, a, I got a tweet from a Dolphins fan that was not happy about the things we talked about in this game. Are the Bills okay? Yes, the Bills are okay. That's what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. Tua. I guess it was a back. McDaniel came out and said that Tua was getting annoyed with everybody who was worried about his head when he was saying, hey, I have a back problem. Like, hey, this is where this is hurting, and everybody was worried about his head. So I guess something can happen with your spine mm. where it causes some dizziness or um, what's that called? Equilibrium yeah. being off or whatever. So McDaniel came out and said that Tua was basically saying this, and the independent doctor was saying the same thing. So like we talked about yesterday, if they were to do some malpractice to get Tua back in there, there, week three of the NFL season, people are going to find out, and it's going to get loud. And McDaniel's career as a head coach is probably going to be much different than it was going because no players are going to trust this guy as a head coach if he's running a program that's forcing guys who are getting CT on a field to go back in in the same fucking half and potentially getting two concussions in one game, which we all know is pretty catastrophic to the way the brain functions. So we heard from McDaniel that that conversation happened and it was his back, so hopefully he'll be safer going forward. I've never heard of this, and when we all saw this, we all thought the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's not in the concussion protocol today, and I, if, I mean, you guys would know more, but I feel like that's the type of thing where even it's kind of like borderline, like they'll put a guy in the concussion protocol just to be safe. Well, and that's for good for business, by the way. Right. That's all cover your ass type thing the NFL has to do for good for business is we care about the players. We'll put this guy in a protocol. We'll extra test him. He's not. Another player is Minka Fitzpatrick. Do we know this? And is this from, you think, that play that you – Yeah, what's – What's it from? Like, is that how does that happen? Where you play the whole game, and then all of a sudden, two days later, you're you start to have some symptoms? I guess. So, do you think it's from the play that you were talking about? Uh, by the way, with Chubbs, this play didn't help it. That's for sure. This is first I mean, quarter, first play, know. and it doesn't look like anything from the side, but in the back, yeah, it does. It looked like <laughs> from the side for me. Well, that's like AQ picking out plays to run, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Oh, this one's a kill shot," and I'm like. Good tackle, though, Minka. Way to break down. Come to balance. I like it. Well, and then we find out maybe a week later he has a concussion. Is yeah. it from this play? Is it from another play? Is it from something in practice? Maybe. It sure felt like as soon as this happened, though, AJ texted me and said, Minka's out. Boom. I, said, I don't see how people, how anyone stays in the game from that. And Minka Side might be the toughest guy on the planet. Made some plays for him as well. Yeah. So yes. we're very happy if that was the case, that he didn't get two concussions in one game. Because once again, out of all the analytics that we've been shown, back-to-back -back concussions is the biggest worrisome for the brain going forward. Now, how many times has that happened in the past and people maybe didn't have the worst outcome? Who knows? I guess not every single concussion has been documented over the history. But this one with Minka did come out of nowhere. I had a teammate who on like a Thursday, he ended up going into concussion protocol from the game on Sunday. And the way he described it, and I don't want to say this player's name because this player is obviously a cool dude, but it is alarming what he said. He said, normally by Thursday, I can remember like setting my alarm and like turning my alarm off and like things that I do in the morning. Wednesday, normally not. Tuesday, normally not. By Jeez. Thursday, normally things start coming back together. And this week it wasn't. So I told him and yeah, I guess I'm in the concussion protocol. And I was like, Jesus. That's scary. Every week? How often is that happening? Every game I've ever played. It's oh like, that's, like, that's like talking to guys that played in like the 70s. That's the stories you hear. Scary. Yeah, I'd say, like, oh, it usually takes me till Friday to at least remember my name. And then I usually remember it 
by game time Sunday. And then, of course, I start the whole process over again. Yeah, by Thursday, normally, I got this type of stuff for you. I can tie my own shoes and stuff. But God, this week, I couldn't do it's it. It's terrible. So. It is, I, laugh, I laughed when the human said it to me. I was, like, yeah. laughing. And then I, I thought he was fucking with me. I thought the person was fucking with me. And then <laughs> he wasn't. And I was, like, I got, like, concerned, like, quickly. I was, like... Is have you ever had anything like that? Have you ever got dinged up, honestly? Every week of your life? Yeah, every game I've ever played. Me? I think there's yeah. been a couple where I probably have gotten – no, I don't know. Like in soccer? Did you bang heads with anyone in soccer or anything like that when you were going to play overseas? I guess. I don't know. But I was never like a healthy human. So I always assumed when I was like seeing stuff that it was like because I was dehydrated or I didn't eat right or I was tired or whatever, and I just kind of power through it. You know, and like it's just – I think there was a completely different view on it back in the day yeah. than there is now. And I understand that everybody's trying to save everybody and everybody's trying to get into a, a fully healthy world. But back in the day, it was not like that. I mean, when we first came in the league, it was still the old school. When we came yeah, into the league, didn't care. it was still old school ways. With pain pills, pain pills, not at the Colts. I was very lucky that it wasn't happening there because I would have been a human. that would have been like, yep, go ahead and get me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, My left yeah. quad, right quad, right calf, left calf. Everything hurts. hurts. They each need one, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Probably at that time. I mean, if I'm just being realistic with who I am and what was probably happening back in the day, that was still taking place in the NFL. That has changed quickly. And I'm, I'm happy for it, obviously. But there are some teammates of mine I'm going to be worried about forever. One of them was a guy that was the leader of a wedge back like one of the oh, last yeah. years of a wedge. He was the king of the wedge. Then a guy who was a fullback. Okay, he would just run his head straight down, <laughs> right into like five, six people, and then obviously he was an offensive lineman with shorter arms. Okay, that was the knock on him. So these guys are getting closer to him. I'm sure there's a lot of shots to the head <laughs> happening because he needs him to get close to him. Lead with because him. he's yeah he has to because that's oh, I use my head move. as a weapon for sure. Yeah, and you have that. I thick mean, look at that thing. You better look yeah, at that. You better. You have that thick cranium. But Jesus. I watched that concussion movie. I told you, I watched that concussion movie. I came in the next day, Don't 2 watch AQ. That. Don't watch it. And I go, listen, man, we need to talk. Like, yeah. we need to that guy's running his mouth again, isn't you? He Running his mouth. That guy's running his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Come on. Hey, that doctor's running his mouth again, isn't he? You can't speak on two. You haven't seen his charts. But I want, he is coming out talking about uh, to a, how it was egregious or whatever the whole process and if anybody should care about it because tell the truth but AQ I remember coming up to you and being like dude I'm worried about you and you're like that's don't listen to that guy it's not real <laughs> it's not real that, that movie's not real no and I, I think a lot of people are hoping it wasn't real but it is real but I think brains and craniums are set up different I don't think there is one you know what I mean and I think you've been saying everybody this, responds like, different every single person responds differently to, to any kind of head trauma like yeah you never know there's no cookie cutter way about it that's why the protocol is good I think it's you should have the protocol. I agree with it 100%. But, yeah, it's just hard to – I think it's something that's really hard to diagnose. Like, what's considered – yeah, how is it – do we need to sit this guy out or is this just a normal run-of-the-mill, okay, he's fine? All right, now that Mink is in there, what does that mean? He's got to pass some tests for – is he going to be back this week? Is he going to be out this week going in on a Tuesday game on Thursday? What do you think, AQ? You've been most – you've been in the league the most recent. The protocols have changed vastly since we have gotten in there. What does this normally mean when somebody goes into protocol as a coach or as a player? How are you viewing this? Symptoms are first, so they'll see if he's still sensitive to light, headaches, all the typical symptoms. And if he does not have any more of those, then it goes to the test. They give you, like, that impact test we all took, right? You do that early. Baseline the, test at the beginning. Baseline test, and if you – get close to that baseline, you're back to normal, you're cleared, you're good to go. So it's all self 
monitored at the beginning until the test until yep. the baseline to mm -hmm. get to the baseline it is i feel good again let me take the baseline test so that we have no idea how long that could be right Kerry collins he came to the colts the year peyton got hurt and uh he's supposed to be a star he was in a tree stand when they called him he was retired uh, in right. a fucking tree stand this is he told me the story on a plane got a chance to chat with him guy's got a lot of stories been through a lot done a lot. I think he regrets a lot of things he's done, but he seems to be at a, p a peace of mind in a peace of life where he is good. I, I enjoyed talking to that fucking OG Kerry Collins. I think everybody enjoyed him as a human. Seemed to have like a carefree gypsy soul at the where he was and Ooh. very comfortable, but he was... Um, he was in a fucking tree stand when he got the call that the Colts needed a quarterback because Peyton was going over to Europe to get something done with his neck. And none of us knew that his neck was anywhere near this situation that it was at. So Kerry Collins, out of a tree stand, in the middle of training camp, comes in, has one week. He's our starter. I think we play the Texans week one. J.J. Watt, wide open, off the end, picks Kerry up, actually picks him up, oh, no. turns him like a bag, and dumps him like on his head, basically. Like a like you're trying to empty a trash can almost. Like, boom, bang. Okay, Kerry Collins, what the fuck am I doing here? I assume is what he's thinking. <laughs> and I feel like he was genuinely giving us effort. Like, he was trying to give it, paid him a lot of money, I think. Yeah. But like, was trying to win. win. Like, yeah. he was retired, checked out, felt like when he was with us, though, at the beginning when he was about to play, wanted us to win. But then the... Hey, how are you feeling? He was still having this. He was still having this. It went on for like four weeks, I think, four or five Damn. weeks or something like that. And inevitably, he ends up leaving. Curtis Painter comes in. Then Dan Orlovsky comes in. That's kind of how the season goes. But I think people kind of – AJ, I, I don't think there's a, a guess on when he's going to get out of the protocol if it's self-monitoring because – he probably has past no each, idea. Each stage, though, there's all those stages. Like symptoms, when your symptoms go down, then they'll try to like eventually you you go run around a little bit without like helmets, without doing anything. Then they try to put you into like individual drills. All of there's like all these steps. I think you have to pass through the process, but I don't. Yeah, you never know. Like like you said, Kerry Collins might be three, four weeks. Some guys might be three days. Who knows? So let's um. Let's pivot away from that for other big news that's going on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have evacuated their facility. They are now training down in Miami because of Hurricane Ian, who is supposed to be a fucking asshole. Okay? We know one thing about Hurricane Ian. Son of a bitch. Yeah. That's right. Okay? Hates football. Asshole. Hates football. Hates people as a whole. Yeah, good times. Good times. Let's now, kill him. not as big as a piece of shit as one niner. Sure. No. One niner, biggest scumbag. Different all, tier. All time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like pedophile mm -hmm. level. Dahmer. Like, yeah. yeah. Fogel. Yeah. Fogel. That type Brett of stuff. Favre. Boom. Same category. I mean, hey, it pains me to have to say it, but that's <laughs> but where we're at. That's right where now. we're at right Chad now. Bundy. That's what we're talking Maybe, about. Yeah. Good. Rhymes with Schman Schmusky. Okay. Yeah. Coach. yeah. yeah. Boom. We are. Why don't you hop in? Penn State. <laughs> we are Penn State. What was that guy's name you just said rhymed with? Schman Smusky. We are Penn State. Okay, so like, yeah, that, that's what one niner was. Seems like Hurricane Ian, though. Fucking real asshole. Yes. Okay. It's own lane. Everybody's doing everything. Oh, we don't Jesus. know what it's going to be. I know nothing about hurricanes. I'm not from the area. I've traveled to Florida. You get caught in a rainstorm. If you're from the north, you go, oh, it's a hurricane. And some local goes, no, this ain't. This ain't it. This will be going five. It's afternoon fucking. Okay. All right. Whatever the case. I guess this one's a real problem. Tampa Bay has actually moved closer to where Hurricane Ian currently is hmm. because of where Hurricane 
Ian is projected to head, which is up the west coast of Florida, up across the top, I believe, of the Panhandle, then over to the Carolinas. That is what's being predicted at this moment, but talking to people who are hurricane-like experts, that could change at any given time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers people, who would I assume have a pretty smart fucking hurricane expert on their staff, says, we need to get out of the way of this thing ahead of time. They go down to Miami to practice. Now their game this weekend, in which they are a home team, is going to have to be on the move, they're thinking. So Tom Pelissero reported that the NFL and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking for a home for their game. The Minnesota Vikings are playing the New Orleans Saints in England this weekend. So maybe it's in the brand new Bank of America Stadium, I believe, in Minnesota, which is beautiful, or another stadium in the Midwest, which we chatted about earlier. The Tennessee Titans are not at home. The Titans are on the road. The Titans closer to Tampa Bay, even though it's still going to be a little bit of a haul. And it's a grass field like Tampa Bay Buccaneers are used to for their home game. Do you think that's something that's going to come up in the conversation? And how do you feel that this team will be able to manage all this bullshit distraction, A.J. Hawk? I mean, it sucks for him, but honestly, it, it, sometimes when you do that, it's it, it kind of dials you in. The team, ha they're together. Oh, this sucks. Look at these. Like, it doesn't suck. They're still going to practice with great facilities and whatever, but just messing up what your normal routine is, your normal flow. Maybe, maybe it'll jumpstart them. Maybe something, you know, you know when you play an away game, hey, it's just us. All we have is our coaches and our players and trainers on the sideline, everyone else against us. Maybe it's something like that where they kind of bond together. Might be like a bowl week. I don't know. Do you know what they're doing with the families? Are the families traveling with them to Miami? Isn't everybody evacuating? Aren't they evacuating big areas of Florida? Yeah. And around I, there? I mean, if you head to the right. And they're saying get out. Of there. I've seen like the, the yeah. clips of all everybody, the cars yeah. on the highway. Everybody's saying get out of there. Man. And they're telling you. Fly right, right in, in there. there. Yeah. Good luck. I'm. I don't want to make this about me, but I mean, uh, why am I? Uh, what are we doing? What's going on? Flying there, into a, my week four, uh, my game day experience of flying into a fucking hurricane. It's go. like, all right, maybe, maybe some more. Yeah, Love a, Clemson. Well, of course. Well, two top 10 matchups. That's awesome. Yeah. But also, like, don't love flying to begin with. Is that game okay? Like, is that okay to go? No. They, 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 there is so many games that are currently, like, on watch right now because mm. of Hurricane Ian. I like the fact that the Buccaneers are getting ahead of it. The Buccaneers are like, hey, there's a chance that we – there's a bunch of college games in there, NFL games in there. There's a lot of games that are going to be affected. We should check on that for gambling-wise, by the way. Probably a lot of unders. Under in a, lot of, a lot of situations, even if the hurricane comes into a tropical storm and it isn't a full hurricane, which is people are predicting. 8 a.m. Saturday. <laughs> I mean, the entire state of South Carolina. <laughs> that is right where. Swallow. So let me just get up here. Tampa's Wednesday. It's I getting believe, hit. I believe Clemson's right here. Okay. Yeah. So like pretty here. close to the eye. Well, it's kind of smack dab in the center, so maybe it'll be calm in the eye of the storm. Well, yeah, you might get lucky. So it's 8 a.m. here. How fast is, is it? slow? Oh, is no. It, so that's 9 a.m.? That's yeah. A, that's when the show starts. So you'll be fine at night. It'll be a cool atmosphere with all the rain in the background, and the wind. Yeah, a lot of people will be out there. Listen, I fucking Poncho's, love. Ponchos, hey, big poncho. Listen, if we're going, I hope these Clemson kids are going. They'll you show up. They'll show oh, up. Oh yeah, a lot of kids. You know how fun that'll Clemson. be. Actually, they'll be sliding in the mud. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I don't think hurricanes are just like fun rainstorms, dude. No, I think hurricanes are. <laughs> no, it's going to be a tropical it's, storm. It's going to hopefully dissipate to a tropical storm. That's what everybody I think is hoping and banking on, and I think these people down here know it much better than us. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are leaving their fucking facility, so if they think it's going to be a tropical, what do they know that everybody else doesn't? Yeah, what do they know? Who's their weather weather person? This yeah. is like the people that are still wearing masks. What do these fuckers know that I don't? Call Al Roker. Isn't he do this? I assume. Al Roker's got a full take on this. Fuck I, Al Roker. Call Jim yeah. Cantor. 
Joe DiNardo. Oh, well, Joe DiNardo is okay. dead. Okay, no. rest in peace. You need Joe a phone to heaven. Call, yeah. his, call his son. Or and his he daughter. is in heaven. Thank you. I'm happy nobody followed up. Joe DiNardo and Joe knew. Joe knew. Joe knew. What did he know? He's not the only Joe. Denny. Who knew. No. Denny. He had a 50 50 chance to get it right, Joe DiNardo, every time. Every time. Hey, 50 chance right. Hold on. You do not hold Joe DiNardo in high regards in your side of Pittsburgh? How dare you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. We are so from vastly big. different parts of Pittsburgh, you and I. You guys didn't different like Joe Nardo? Different. Oh, yeah, we 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 No, we didn't like Joe. Wow. Oh, oh my, oh my god. god. Albie. What who was your who was your weather person? Joe, oh, I listened to Joe Donardo, but he would always say, oh, there's a fifty percent chance of rain. It fucking rained all the time in Pittsburgh. All so he was right. <laughs> he was never wrong. Boom. That's why we love Joe. <laughs> yeah. That's why we love Joe. That's all I had to know. It's Jesus. unbelievable. Anyways. I can't believe it. Oh. I completely changed my opinion. This is their on Super Joe Bowl. Don't, dude, are you serious? Look at this fucking guy. What are you even you're talking about? Me? I mean, I'm yeah. just saying, look. I think you're with me now. From what I've heard, he never missed. You think Joe nor this guy ever missed? Love you, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think so, but he keeps making Rest a lot peace, of points. Joe. Is this guy a national celebrity? Fucking Pittsburgh celebrity. What are we talking about? This yeah. guy knew, okay? He said it's raining. Guess what? Put Joe a fucking knew. hood on, dude. Yeah. Okay, that's what Joe Nardo did. <laughs> I'm so sick of you dude. right now. <laughs> you can't not- cancel your golf plans all the time because it rains every fucking day. <laughs> this 88-year-old right here, okay? Lived happen. his life serving the Pittsburgh community. Mm. Thank you. He didn't want to do it. He had to do it. Put he was a coats. necessity for all the injures. On kids in the winter, he'd give them coats. Project Bundle Up. Boom. Joe Nardo. This is a tribute. Oh, oh, you, guys, was nice. you guys, because you're golfing. Oh, sorry your golfing's getting offended. <laughs> all right, Joe Nardo just didn't want you to have a seven iron with a lightning yeah. rod right through it like your fucking <laughs> Thomas Edison. Lives at stake. He looks like a nice guy. That guy. Well, he is. He is he's the, the greatest best. of all time. That's what I'm saying. He looks like a good guy. If Joe would have somehow lived. Looks like L. Ron Hubbard in that left picture. Easy. I you mean, shut he's up. young. The, fo- the photo on the right, he looks like Easy. Keep going, AJ. Keep going. Like somebody. Do not let AQ Keep okay, <laughs> get your little toxic brain into a place I don't know Joe DiNardo. I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. That's Joe what I'm saying. You are not allowed to say it. You're not allowed to say it. Did Joe hate the iPhone because it made weather people obsolete? Because we just look here, we go. There's That's what killed Oh, them, you actually. can read the Doppler like Donardo, huh? Yeah. Nobody can read the Doppler like Donardo, pal. I right, do not get into a position where you think you can bury Joe Donardo because of what this not. golfing hillbilly mm. just said about Joe Donardo, okay? Hillbilly. Joe knew, all right? <laughs> Fucking Joe knew. Both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Back to you. <laughs> all right. Anyways. Tampa Bay Buccaneers evacuating is a big deal. That's a big step. Joe Nardo would have been the one they would have called to see if they should have fucking evacuated or not. Let's assume they did call Al Roker and the boys at the Doppler station. And maybe even Jim Cantor snuck his nose in there and said, I got some ideas and some plans myself. Seems like Hurricane Ian's going to be something, though, by all the people that know shit. And there's a lot of things that we need to account for going forward into the weekend. Not just my life, a lot of other games that, you know, maybe we should judge how we bet on it and everything like that. Do we know is that still going to be Sunday night? football even if it's a different location like is there a chance that they're going to flex some i mean i don't know if they can do that this week early, seven but, is when flexing starts yeah. but this but, would certainly be a situation yeah. that's an outlier where right. it'd be like maybe we should take a game like the indianapolis colts and the tennessee titans well oh, please no. you know what i mean that would make that sunday night football right there I mean, in lucas oil 
with the suite that is overpriced right there on the field. It's a nightmare. Bring in Tarico, bring in Collinsworth. Maybe not that game, but another other game. Maybe this is a situation where they would decide to do it, or AQ, you don't think so? I mean, I think there's a chance. If there's any, ever a time where there's a chance, it's right now. Like, this is very di different circumstances, but I don't see it happening. So let's talk about – you don't see it happening because it's going to be a tropical storm? No, I just don't think – that they'll make the flex move before the seven-week rule. They ain't moving Brady out of prime time. Yeah. AJ, you think, and if they're playing in like a half-filled stadium, even yeah. it's, it might, might be even better. You know, it might be get even better access, mm -hmm. might get better everything. It's kind of like a special occasion, almost like a bowl game's happening in Tennessee. Yeah. They can almost build up some graphics to make it a little bit like that if they wanted to. I mean. Up to you. Up to you guys. Thursday night football. Sunday night football on Thursday. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting start to the season. You guys knew you were going to have that. You couldn't just put on Thursday. That's not ruining the graphics. I get it. But for me, we're just banking on this thing becoming a tropical storm. That's kind of what people are betting on. They're like, it's going to be a hurricane or it's going to be a tropical storm. I don't know enough about weather. Do you? No, I don't know anything about weather, but I guess you got to prepare for it to be a terrible hurricane, and hopefully it just you know it falls off. It's, it sounds like some people down there are preparing for it to not be hurricane. Yeah, at all. They're like, oh, this thing, this is... Wait. So they're just hanging out, like, calling, oh, you guys are all marks for leaving. Yes, they that is kind of how some people... That happens every time there's a storm, though, right? Like, there's a certain people that stay back and then call everyone Tally's. else marks, and then let's see who wins. Yeah, and we just got to hope that this becomes tropical Does storm. Does the team go home? Also, it could affect them long-term. Like, I would say, let's say they play a game Sunday. that It gets moved somewhere in the Midwest. Do they get to fly home right afterwards? Because that sucks if they're going to stay a few more days wherever they are. Well, if they're in Nashville, I mean, what a time. They'll yeah. get on those little yeah. pedal bars. Yeah. Well, it should be gone from <laughs> Florida by the time the game kicks off because it's Saturday. Oh, it's yeah. up by yeah, South What Carolina. damage does it do, though? It, it, you got to think yeah. about yeah. all that type of follow-up there. Right on the bay, too, for Tampa. Literally, Tampa Bay. Yeah, the water's right there. I mean, it could affect their living situations long-term as well. Feasibly. Feasibly. It could. In could. theory could jeopardize a lot we have no idea because we don't know what this is going to be is ian going to be an asshole or is ian just going to be a soft little bitch you know and that we're all hoping for b but maybe we keep poking the monster we get a and if that's the case there's going to be a lot what was the one that came up um on the uh jersey shore and stuff katrina, well no katrina Sandy. made the saints move saints had to move when katrina hit for like katrina, the whole year. katrina new orleans Terrible, yeah, obviously. Just, very Sandy. Sandy was the one. So when Sandy came through, we were playing in Tennessee. Windy as fuck in Tennessee. So I think we should take that into account for no matter where this hurricane is, there's a good chance that there's going to be a lot of action everywhere because of it. Now, they th I think I heard somebody say Sandy's comparison here to what Ian is, has started and is maybe going forward. And everybody likes to sensationalize everything. And obviously Sandy was horrible and we hope for that never to be again. And there is a chance, I guess, that this could be, but there's other people that believe it couldn't. But when Sandy came, we played in Nashville and it was fucking very, very, very windy. I, re I remember it like it was yesterday. And I don't remember... I don't think I asked a local Joe DiNardo if this was just because of how Tennessee is or if this was because of Sandy, but I, my feeling is that it was implied that this is, no, when a hurricane is coming, like weather is everywhere going to be affected by it. Just spitballing here, and the NFL can do what the NFL is going to do, but let's play this thing Sunday night, Kinnick Stadium, Iowa City, Iowa, Tom Brady, home team. The, the Chiefs will have to be in the pink locker room. So even though they're closer, you know, they don't really have a home field advantage. 
I mean, it really it makes a lot of sense to me. That's a cathedral of football. Let's do yeah. it. Let's just end it right now. End the discussion. Play this thing in Iowa City on Sunday. They can night. wave to the hospital too. Boom. Mm -hmm. Everybody Tom, Tom wins. Wood. Tom would wave. Tom would. Who wouldn't wave? It's a good question. BA, two folks on football. Yeah, he wouldn't wave. <laughs> wave it to fucking kids after we win. Kids don't want to wave to a bunch of fucking losers anyways. Whoever wins this game gets waved to the kids. All right, before the game, we don't wave to the fucking kids because we might lose the game. Let's win the game, then we'll be heroes to the kids. We wave to the fucking kids. That'd be hilarious listening to BA break that whole wave down. But is that astroturf or grass? Grass. Thick grass. Slow ass grass. Good for punting grass. That's Shout right. out to Tory yeah. Taylor. That's right. Excited to see what the boys do up there in Iowa. Why don't they get creative like something like that? Oh, because the NFL wants all the money. Yeah, exactly. True. Won't make enough money. That would be there. cool, though. It would be cool. And it's a good opportunity. Good weather still. It's not going to be freezing cold. Right. You have an opportunity to potentially do a college. Now, I'm not saying Iowa is the one, but some college stadium that is maybe open that could house whatever the number of people are going to be to show up. Some of those college stadiums are so fucking 102,000. too big. Big house. 102,000 fucking Tennessee, dude. That's so yeah. many. So many. That's so big. Michigan's what, 110? Yeah. 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 They're the second biggest stadium in the States. Yeah. What's the biggest? I think MetLife. No. It no. doesn't seat the most. I swear. They don't have ble if they had bleacher seating, it might, but it definitely doesn't I think seat Michigan, over. I think Michigan might be one. Yeah, I don't Michigan, know if there's like 100, 111 or something. I don't think there's any NFL teams that are going to top 110,000. No. I remember remember the Washington football team that had the name before the Washington football team named off the upper deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they had FedEx Field in what was it? It was like 100,000, I think. Remember when they built it? Maybe the Cowboys. What are the Cowboys? I think they're under 100. You're under. Yeah, there's no NFL stadiums that are 100 because they have bleachers. It's too nice. You know, like the Colts stadium. Or they have the seats. They have college stadiums have bleachers so you can jam more people in. Yeah, everybody's just standing on top of each other. Michigan Stadium, number one, 107,000. Beaver Stadium in Pennsylvania. Wow. The cult fills up 106,000. Ohio Damn. Stadium in Columbus, the Don't horseshoe, 102,000. Kyle Field down there in Texas, the Aggies, which... I mean, they pay a lot of money not to be doing what they're doing. That's right. Mm -hmm. They get a big-time window. Maybe Max Johnson won't be a guy. We'll see. 102,000. Neyland Stadium, another 102,000. Baton Rouge, call them Baton Rouge, 102,000 for LSU. Austin, Texas, 100,000. Bryant Denny in Alabama, 100,000. Sanford Stadium in Georgia, go Bulldogs, 92,000. Mm. Cotton Bowl, 92,000. Rose Bowl, 90,000. Ben Hill Griffin mm. Stadium, where Florida plays, 88,000. The NFL doesn't have a team on there until 16, and it's at 82,000. Okay. And then FedEx Field is at 82,000. So Lambeau Field, 81,000. Congrats to Lambeau. AT&T Stadium, 80,000. Yeah, and it's all because, to AJ's point, all those colleges just stack motherfuckers on top of each other. Yeah. The, Texas, though, I got to be in that stadium, you know. We did the run in the middle of college game day. Mm -hmm. Their suite section, top notch. Unreal. Really, really nice. That's why I was surprised to see their name so high over 100,000 because that looked way too comfortable to have 100,000 people in there. Can we? That is so many fucking people. That's massive. Think about the money, dude. Just the money. Rose Bowl would be so Everything around it. Play parking, game. everything. That's a hell of a trip for them to play yeah. in the Rose Bowl. That'd be a long <laughs> trip. So much money, though. And that's just – some of those stadiums are going to fill up every single week regardless. The cult is going to go to those Penn State games regardless if the team stinks or not, right? AQ? 100%. That city, State College, Pennsylvania, they say on game day becomes the third largest city in the state of Pennsylvania. It's a super small town. Think about that. 
Well, that's how you get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bingo. You know, AQ. Are there people that live there? AQ. Yeah, there's people do that people live there. It's just that I mean, it's mostly that aren't affiliated with the facility there, that aren't affiliated with Penn State. Like, do Marks. people live there and do other things? <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a big agriculture kind okay. of farming stuff going on. It's in out there, town. right? If I do remember driving to it, you got to drive yeah. through some sticks to get to it. It's in the middle of nowhere. Airport. When you guys fly in there, you fly an hour away. Enjoy. No, there's a there's an airport there, but they it's a short runway, so like. If there was weather in the area when we were coming back home, we would have to fly into Harrisburg or how far drive? Hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, we bust. We had to bust to Penn State one year because of weather, so we just got in the bus and took off. Those runways, interesting, because you land in some places that have shorter runways, and if you know going in, you know the landing is going to be, you yeah, know, like they're hitting the brakes as quick as possible, and then on takeoff, you're getting up as quick as possible, and then there's some places that have nice long runways. And it's like, oh, this is the smoothest takeoff and the smoothest landing of all time. And the pilot's like, well, yeah, I had fucking room, you know. This is American-made Tom Cruise in this fucking yeah. jam, <laughs> yeah. this thing out of this city. It's Flying is a modern marvel. Tampa. It'll that, never make any sense to that me. That runway in Tampa, when we would land, you would land and boom, they'd boom. smack the brakes yeah. and oh, you yeah. fucking... Yeah. <laughs> that was scary. Teterboro is another one over there in New yep. Jersey. They have very small runways in New York, New Jersey, because there isn't a lot of space. That's why people hate flying in now. There, obviously, there's a lot of people getting to it is terrible, but your flying experience is nowhere near good either because that shit, you're waiting in line. You could be like 35th in line at, at those runways over there at those airports. You wait, you wait, you wait. And then when you take off, you're literally shot out of a yeah. slingshot straight up in the air. And it's like, well, flying is terrible. This is no fun yeah. at all. It's like, well, that is the situation you're currently in to live in that box that you live in in New York. I'm sure it's a great time. Let's move on. Mac Jones will miss a couple games due to a severe high ankle sprain. This has been a fascinating conversation to kind of dive into because Mac Jones was asked about this thing yesterday in a press junket or whatever. They were zoomed in very close on his face. I'm mm-hmm. talking about on his face. Why is that? It looked like the TikTok that people, like when people post their TikToks like that. I don't know. It kind of happened last night whenever I was on the Manning thing too. I'd lean my face in there and it would cut off the entire thing because I was getting excited. So I don't know if it's just because they have a, a computer right there yeah. and he's just sitting right in front of it. Craft uh, has Craft Productions. They have their own press conference, the whole thing. I don't know why you wouldn't give him a better setup. Nonetheless, we get a very close-up of Mac Jones talking about his injury, and this is what he had to say about his ankle sprain and expectations going forward. A question on the high ankle sprain. The tightrope surgery that has been done on high ankle sprains lately um, – it was big when you were at Alabama. I know you had mentioned it a couple of years ago. There was a quote from me today just on the efficacy of it. Um, I was wondering if that was something that's come up uh, in the recovery process and kind of your thoughts on that being a, a, an avenue here. It's a good haircut, no bull. Yeah, I'm just kind of taking it day to day and uh, making sure everything's good. And honestly, any injury questions are Coach Belichick's thing. So <laughs> I'm not here to answer them. I appreciate everyone kind of reaching out and, and looking after me, but it's kind of just a day-to-day thing and um, just trying to get better. Okay, so hey, listen, Belichick, all right, is the guy you need to direct that question. Mm-hmm. Now there's multiple reports coming out from local reporters in the New England area and the Revolution region about how the team has what their expectations are and Mac Jones has what his expectations are. This is coming from James Stewart. The Patriots and Mac Jones are at a disagreement about how to move forward. Patriots want to get him back as soon as possible, and he's hesitant to their guidance and wants to proceed with caution. Second opinion. Pat's timeline is four weeks max. He's comfortable waiting six to eight if needed. So this this report is wild, okay, mm-hmm. just in of itself. Let's not How's even it get out. What's that? How's this news get out? How does this? Well, how do we know if any of this is true? Well, that's 
if we were to dive into this, he's seeking a second opinion, right? Unless he already got a second opinion, which he would should. be tough. Everyone should get second opinions. The team wants you to get a second opinion. I agree, AJ. If I could finish my thought here so we can fucking tag team this thing, that would be fantastic. So Damn. in this report, it's saying like a second opinion. So unless he was able to do that within four hours of the game, and if he was able to find a second opinion with a doctor that's probably out of state, maybe in Vail, Colorado, where Thomas Clanton is, who's the one who's done the tightrope surgery to Tua and others in the past, I don't know how he'd been able to get a, a second opinion already. So if Mac Jones is comfortable doing six to eight weeks and the Patriots are saying four weeks max in this report, this is what James Stewart reported, and he might have heard this, Mac Jones then looks at the medical professionals of the New England Patriots who tell him we think it's a four weeks Mac thing. Without getting a second opinion, Mac Jones looks at him and goes, nah, this is six to six fucking eight weeks. Like, mm -hmm. how does that even... I don't even know that how, how that would even be possible. I don't even know how that takes place. Let's assume that Mac Jones is going to get a second opinion. And with what he saw with Tua, who got the tightrope surgery on December 1st, 2019, was back December 29th, 2019, with a high ankle sprain. That's four weeks. And he saw how good it was and the efficacy of the tightrope surgery. There is a good reason for Mac Jones to be like, well, I'm actually going to go talk to this doctor that I know has helped out one of my friends in the same exact situation, just get his thoughts on it. So I would assume the Patriots would want him to do that, right? Because if this doctor's that fucking good and he's the expert of it, he would want to do it. So I think this report, although I don't think James Stewart's making shit up, I think he's potentially hearing parts of the story. I just don't know how in actuality it would take place unless Mac looks at a doctor and says, nah, six to eight weeks without even talking to his own doctor. You know, like that is just, I don't think that's something Mac Jones would do. And it doesn't sound like it makes any sense, AJ. Yeah. So that was yesterday, right? Where he's, he's doing that video, the, the zoomed up video. Today is Tuesday. So, yeah, if he's getting a second opinion, it might be today. So, how could you, like you said, how could you challenge the timeline that they give you right away? I, obviously, I'm, I assume he got his MRI yesterday or after yep. the game Sunday. But, yeah, I don't know. Do the Patriots want him to get the surgery, you think? Or do they think, hey, just let's rest it and come back in four? I have no idea. I, I just, I think the Patriots would want whatever is going to make him the most healthy the quickest, personally. Yeah. And also long term health as well. Like they do. They know they got to win now, and they want him back as soon as they can, but they know, like, all right, we want this guy around, too. And I don't want to sound like a mark and just assume the best thoughts for people and the best opinions for people, but Bill Belichick, you, th you think he's going to – he's the GM, too, right? So he's directly involved in all these conversations. He's not saying, hey, Mac, yeah, you're back in four weeks, okay? Like in 2022 with Mac Jones? No. I don't think that's happening. So, you know, the report, I think – I think, once again, could have heard these things like max people might say six to eight weeks. Like, I don't think we have any of those answers yet until the second opinion comes. And we assume the second opinion is going to be from Thomas Clanton, the doctor mm -hmm. in Vail, who did the tightrope surgery to Tua. So unless he's traveling out to New England or he's traveling out to Vail to get it done, let's assume that hasn't taken place yet. We might be wrong, though. Maybe that second opinion has already taken place and Thomas Clanton's already given that back. But we're going to assume that has not taken. We're only on fucking Tuesday right now. What they could have done is sent his MRI results to these other doctors. That's something they do as well. I know I tore my pec. We sent it off to a couple of different people to see what they would say for your timetable, like your return. And everyone does have kind of different opinions on how long it takes to, to come back from certain injuries. But like everything else, like everyone, it's an individual thing too. Some people are faster than others. Imagine if Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots medical staff looks at Dr. Thomas Clanton, who's had like, he's the authority on these types of yes. surgeries and ankles, and the Patriots go, listen, Mac. 
fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be Don't that, would, that would be how how that would have to happen. For that report to be true, that would be how it would have to happen. And I just don't know if that's necessarily how it would have to take place. Well, and like you said, the success with two, a Waddle got it too. But I think even more so, like the relationship Bill has with Nick Saban. Like if this wasn't gonna be a thing, and Bama didn't send their players to this guy specifically to fix these sprained ankles sooner, then that'd be one thing. But like Bill and Nick Saban are best friends. I would. Assume that if Bill had any doubts or questions about it, he'd reach out to Saban like, hey, does this take longer or is this guy the real deal? And by all accounts, it seems like this guy is going to have, you know, Mac Jones back before the bye week, which is great news unless, you know, that bullshit report is true, which I think it is not. Should always get a second opinion. I, the That was a big fight for players for a long time to be able to get a second opinion because sometimes a team would not be operating in anywhere near the player's best interest and just saying, oh, yeah, I think you got this, you got this, and they're acting as medical professionals, and this has happened in the NFL. I'm not saying I've been around it or AJ's been around it or AQ's been around it. We're just saying things that have happened in the past that have set a precedent. I think a second opinion is vital. I think it's an awesome idea. The more information, the better, but I think we're a little bit too soon on the jumping to conclusions on how long it's going to be either way, even though he looked like he was an incredible pain, AQ. You always have to take caution early, but your body can respond completely different. Like you might think it's four to six weeks, and after two weeks, you feel 100% better. There was a time where, I mean, I was playing with the Colts and I tore my MCL, and I'm like, fuck, I'm done. I fucking just tore my knee. It's over. And then, like, by Thursday, I'm like, he feels pretty good. I think I got a chance. <laughs> I, think ankle, I think I'm back. High ankle's a nightmare. I think I'm back. High ankle's the worst. High ankle's bad. Yeah, wouldn't you rather break your, break your ankle? That's what they always said. That's like one of those theories that they always said, and everybody's just like, yeah. Depends how bad you break it, I guess, too. Yeah, because yeah. anytime somebody gets a high ankle sprain, they yeah. go, you, they say you should have, be better you <laughs> broke that thing instead of that. And, Can we go ahead and break that? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just move along to the next conversation because we're trying to lift a guy up. You know, we're like, yeah. yeah, you're tougher than anybody on earth, man. They say that's worse than an actual break, so, you know. Do your thing, and everybody, yeah, yeah, and just walk away. It's like, how is Those that? things linger. They linger a lot, oh, too. Yeah. Those high ankles, you got to make sure you feel really good before you come back because that can linger for a long time. He was in excruciating pain. It was yeah. obvious how painful it is. A lot Ooh, of boy. people have, I don't say a lot of people have been taken down by high ankle sprain, but a lot of people have been taken down by high ankle sprain. Yeah, it's a painful injury. And, I mean, I feel like we just saw some Michael Thomas last year, right? Like, or two years ago because he didn't really play last year. He didn't get a – was it the story he didn't get a second opinion or he hurt his ankle and then he tried to come back without surgery and rehabbing it and it never really fully healed? Yeah, he thought he was going to be able to not have to do surgery. Yeah. Then it got to a point where they had to do surgery. Surgery was too late, missed the entire season. That's the, uh, that's the game you're playing, you know, and I think all medical people are trying to have the best interests at heart, but some people see things differently. That's why a second opinion is needed. Excited to see what happens with Mac Jones. Obviously, not good to see anybody get hurt. Sterling Shepard, it has been confirmed, torn ACL in a non-contact play when he was just running a go route. Absolute bummer for Sterling Shepard yeah. and the New York Giants who are trying to you know, become a very new culture under Dayball and Wink Martindale. And I'm just putting those two together, by the way. Because I think Wink being added to that squad is a big fucking deal. AQ, you had to play against Wink, and you're on a team that Wink coached. He's beloved by his players, right? And also a nightmare for the opposing team. Seems like a perfect hire for the Giants if you're trying to change the culture on the defense side of the ball. It's a great hire. I mean, he was beloved by – so when I was in Baltimore, he was the outside backers coach. Suggs, Pernell McPhee, all those guys loved him. He moved over into the defensive coordinator position after Dean Pease left. 
and just started bringing the house. He started coming with blitzes from everywhere, cover zero from anywhere. You never know what he's going to do. Doing different stuff, putting DNs outside on receivers or tight ends and chucking them before they can get going, and then that disrupts the timing of the entire play. So he does a phenomenal job. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a weekly segment that has really captivated the world because the man that we get to talk to is one of the deepest thinkers, an anomaly, maybe an alien, and possibly the greatest thrower of a football in the history of planet Earth. He's the back-to-back -back MVP, four-time total, just got off a win in the GoPo in Tampa Bay where he won 27 of 35 for 255 yards and two tuds. I think we have it figured out. Ladies and gentlemen, he looked good earlier. Does he sound great now? Let's assume he does. Aaron Rodgers! Yeah! Can you hear me? Yeah! Come on! Yeah! Okay, good. I can hear you guys all the whole time. Thought that ball was going to go in because of it. I was so excited. I got big time. Grabbed the ball, shot it up there. That's my fourth miss of the day. Let's hope this conversation is not anything like my shooting game. Congrats on a big win, Aaron. Hell yeah. yeah. Congrats, Thanks, on the, congrats on a big win. Uh, th there was a lot of hype around last week. In the way Olsen was talking on the game and Burkhart were talking on the game, they were like, hey, don't just tell Aaron this is a September game. He said Aaron understands the legacy, what this game is like. He's a massive football fan. He understands that these two, uh, you and Tom getting to play against each other, isn't going to happen that much more often, and we really got to captivate and enjoy it. Was that a real mindset going into the game, and what did it feel like getting the win, obviously? Is it different than any other game, or is this just – we got to move on. We're two and one now. I think there's a little bit of a lot of that. I think uh, I, I do love the history of the game, and I feel really fortunate to be in the conversation. Can you guys hear me still? Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. sound amazing. Perfect. Uh, you look yeah. great. Hair looks amazing. Sound great. This is Perfect. fantastic. Great work, CD baby. I haven't, my, I haven't got my Chuck Berry shirt yet from AJ, but uh, I'm rocking uh, a little uh, Tunyon and Son sweatshirt here. Hell yeah! Shout out to Bobby Tunyon and his family. That's an Indiana company, I believe. Ooh. Really? I think he's an Indiana oh, State yeah. guy, right? Yeah. Yep. Big Bob Tunyon? Yeah. I think he's from, I think he's from Pittsburgh, actually. But really? Um, what were we talking about the game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know he's a Yinzer. Fuck it. And if that's a construction company in Pittsburgh, there's probably Italians involved as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't out. know if Tunyon's the only one in that company, but nonetheless, go back to the game. I appreciate you. Tunyon, I think, got changed over at Ellis Island. I think it was... <laughs> Tanini or something. Yeah, you know. Tanini. Yeah, Tanini. Of course. Yeah. Tanini. What a player. Nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a good win. I don't remember exactly what we are talking about or what Olsen said on, on the cast, but uh, I do enjoy those guys. I'll just say that. Uh, uh, you know, I really enjoyed working with Troy and, and Joe for a long time, but having Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olsen in those minis out with, uh, with EA has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's a good group. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they were referring to, but I do love the history of this game, and I love playing in big games like this, even when they're in week three. It still is week three, and so we got to just, you know, enjoy it. But now we're, it's Tuesday. We're moving on to the next opponent. But sometimes these games factor into late-season tiebreakers and different things, and obviously you expect Tampa to be there. They're one of the elite teams in the league, and obviously we expect to be in that position as well. So, so that was a good win for us. Hell yeah. So what what, uh, what were you saying? What did you see on the Jumbotron? I know afterwards you tried to get someone fired, whoever was operating that down in Tampa. So prayers, thoughts and prayers out to that person and their family. But what were you uh, – what did you see there? Was that cheating if you saw something and you went and relayed it to somebody? Listen, first of all, the, the Jumbotron is interesting because you want to show replays, but you also 
there's been times where a replay starts to play, right? And somebody's like, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, turn that off, you know, because it, it could be a potentially a reviewable play. Uh, I think ours has gone to maybe waiting to the next play a lot of times, unless it's a for sure, you know, catch out of bounds or down. If there's anything kind of on the edge, it's always uh, you hope that that home operator doesn't show anything. I will say to clear things up, the questions seem to be like, what did you, what were you talking to Matt about? Uh, down there on the two-minute drive. That's what I was referring to. So during that drive, mm. I realized we were past the point of probably needing a timeout. I think we had one timeout at that point. So I walked down because Matt loves standing kind of outside the 25 from time to time. So him and Joe Barry, our defense coordinator, were standing down there about the 20-yard line or so. So I just went down there and said, hey, uh, we have one timeout left. If they come out with a formation or if we're missing a line or something, just don't be afraid to pop a timeout because we don't need it for – for the end of this, if they score a good two-point conversion, we don't need to carry that timeout over. There's, you know, 20 seconds left here. It's probably unlikely we, you know, have a chance to, uh, you know, after a play and a kickoff and different things to, to get in the range. So let's just make sure we think about that. And then, the, you know, the, then about four plays before, four or five plays uh, somewhere, it was well before the two-point conversion, I did see something on the Jumbotron that I didn't, that I went down and relayed to Matt. I'm not going to get into exactly what I saw, or if it even had an real impact on the play. I think that's kind of inconsequential. But, um, but I just thought I, I thought I saw something. I walked down. I, I relayed it to Matt. Whether that re got relayed to Joe or not, I'm not sure. Either way, it had nothing to do with the two-point conversion. There was not an image of like the you know the uh, Microsoft Surface or anything on there. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny though. But even still, you know, even if you if you know something's coming and you relay it. Um, you still got to go out and execute. I mean, that, I think that was what Spygate was all about, right? They, you know, stealing some signals. But you still got to go out there and execute the play and, in our case, stop them. But it had nothing to do with the two-point conversion. Oh, sweet. So you stole their signals wow. before the game, and then uh, that's what you saw up there? You were – you, you saw what signal they had out there, and you already had camera people ahead of the time film Tampa Bay Buccaneer stuff, and then you saw it on Jumbotron? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't even dick around and say yes, by the way. If you, imagine if you would have, the, the whole world would have went upside down. You're just saying you saw something during the two-minute drill uh, that was on the Jumbotron. You relayed the message. Could have helped, could not have helped. Made a play. Defense made a stop whenever they needed it. That's all you're referring to, even though the clip was certainly like they saw a two-point conversion. And Aaron, he saw a delay. Well, they clipped, they clipped, they clipped the, the question. It was a long question. It was about, you, we, you know, we saw you during the two-minute drive. You'd walked out. You'd talked to mad and something something about the two points so i was answering yes i you know i, I went down there reminded about the timeout i also passed along some information i saw um you know during the drive but it had again nothing to do with the, the two-point conversion um anyway it was an off schedule play anyway so even if i'd you know seen something on the surface again you still got to go out and execute and look we're talking about heat of the moment stuff that uh you know it's just it's it's how much it's information uh, sometimes can be information overload. So whether or not they even got passed on to the defense, I don't know. I just talked about it. Gotcha. So we, as an internet, me included, heard that clip, saw that clip, and overreacted, you're saying. That's what we did? Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Well, happy here. enough. Yeah. I put my fucking Zen necklace on, dude. I don't know if you even saw this. I got a Zen necklace on, dude. I saw you wearing it, looking cooler than anybody on Earth. And I was like, I'll put one of these on. Maybe it'll be like I'm doing ayahuasca.
You know what oh. I mean? Is that what this is? Is that what this is? You wore it the other day. You look so cool. What is this? I, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. It's black on black there. I can't really nah, see it. Nah, blue. It's blue. I, actually, if I wore my black, the only reason why I wore this today is because it blended in too much with the black tank. So I wore the t-shirt just to put this on so you could see it. What What is this here? Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a, uh, it looks like some sort of ceremonial necklace, possibly. Oh, okay. okay. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Hmm. A lot of those necklaces, you know, are made by indigenous people, and there's, like, prayers woven into each specific bead. And uh, so there's, you know, there's a, a power of, uh, of a necklace that has a lot of prayers into it. Uh, and, yeah, that was a gift that I got. Um, I just felt like it kind of made the outfit. You look super cool, yeah, dude. It was awesome. Do you, hey, Aaron, do you not trust uh, wireless headphones? Yeah, what's that all about? I've uh, say again. Do you not trust wireless <laughs> headphones? You think people are trying to steal your info or something? Why? Because I was the headphones I was wearing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the yeah, internet. Because you're always you're always corded up when it comes to your headphones. Yeah, the internet reacted to you being very wealthy and having wired uh, headphones on, and we thought maybe. You know, Dr. Joe Rogan pod, don't need to break up the Bluetooth or anything like that. Oh, this, yeah, this is really perfect for, this is a great theme that'll, you know, <laughs> come here at the end of this uh, this conversation. But uh, but no, I've been, you know, I've, I've, uh, uh, I've represented Bose for a number of years. They're a great company. They make incredible products. Um, I have tried out some other products, including... Um, uh, the uh, Apple uh, headphones, but they have CAA written all over the, over the side. That was a gift from CAA. Big thanks to my marketing people at CAA. But also they have big, it says big CAA sports on the side, you know, instead of kind of maybe in smaller letters. So when you're trying to put together an outfit and you want like huge, you know, kind of uh, marketing there on the side, I just went with the, uh, the more comfortable uh, old school headphones. Yeah, I can't go with also the have a little. also has a little, you know, like a, Thing you can talk into right here if you want to do a phone call. So very, very handy. Do you think the CA on those headphones flows with the prayer necklace? Not sure. I don't think so. Think so. Uh -uh. I think you made the right yeah. decision. You looked awesome. You guys got a big win. Uh, let's talk about the game. Dobbs seems to be a guy. I, I mean, it seems like you really enjoy him. He broke a record. I believe he's the first wide receiver to have eight-plus receptions. Uh, Devontae Adams, obviously, was the only guy that's ever done it. He's a young guy you're building a connection with quickly, it feels like. How come? What do you like about him? And why do you think it's uh, kind of started to work so well for you guys? Well, funny enough, I went to him before the game, and I said, uh, great day to catch your first touchdown today, I think. And he yeah. kind of smiled. Um, and sure enough, the thing I, there's a lot of things I love about Romeo, but it's just his approach. You know, he's, he's very steady. He asks a lot of good questions. He's sharp when you, you know, quiz him in a meeting uh, or if a coach quizzes him, he's always come up with the right answer, cares about it. And the best thing is he catches the ball with his hands all the time. You watch a lot of catches he made. He made a catch last week on a, on a screen press. There was a, a foot in front of him, easy hands catch. And, I was teasing after the after the game about an interaction we had on Friday where he he had a body catch on the sidelines and and he came back four plays later and made this ridiculous over the shoulder you know hands catch with the ball a foot above his head. Uh, he just he has that innate ability that you love from receivers to to be aggressive to the ball and catch it with his hands and and it was fun to get him in the end zone. He made some nice catches. Uh, he ran some good routes. And, you know, he's going to get more opportunities, especially in a game like that where Sammy Watkins is out. Now he's on the IR and Christian Watson doesn't play. 
we need him to step up and have the type of performance. Oh, you guys were all wide receivers? I didn't know that. I thought that was only the other team. I had no uh, idea if you listened to any of the media yeah. report. Let's talk about that touchdown for Romeo because obviously this is a massive moment for him. I saw you all celebrate it. We have the ability here to do some stuff. What are you looking at here pre-snap down here in the red zone, Aaron? I think this is really when you start to start cooking. Now, Matt Hasselbeck told us yesterday that all these plays potentially run plays that you're allowed to check out of any time you want because it's really clear. You see A.J. Dillon kind of cut this way, and it feels like the entire offensive line is all going this way. But then all of a sudden, you see these two dudes over here, and then you just got these two dudes here, and you make a check and say, I'm fucking throwing it to our youngest guy and make a play out there for me, Romeo Dobbs. Is that kind of how this whole thing went? And as soon as he gets in, are you going fucking bananas for this guy right here who beats three people to score his first ever rookie touchdown in the NFL? Wow, look at you. You got the video this year, man. Bro. That's amazing. Thank Hell you. Yeah. Thank you. I feel very good yeah. about it. And you can roll it back. All right. Yeah, free snap. Look, we're in a run to the left with a run solution to the right. So contrary to Matt Hasselbeck, this is not a check. This is built into the play. Uh, now, this may have been an adjustment that I added to the play, but it's built into the play. And I'm just looking pre-snap at uh, where the coverage is on Allen at the point and where Davis is outside and where that stud 31 is inside and see how much he's shading to the side of the two receivers and where the defensive end is at and what our run game looks like to the front side and kind of trying to put it all together and see what the best option is. I felt like in this situation, I had a chance to get it to Romeo, and I had Allen in front of him. He was one of the smartest players in the game, and I felt like he would probably lead the way and get us in a good situation. If I put the ball in a, in a decent spot here, it was, what, third and three? Felt like we had a good chance of getting the first down for sure and maybe a touchdown. Yeah, I think whenever you watch it all take place so quickly, I think, you know, whenever you made that comment about seeing something on the Jumbotron, everybody – uh, on the internet that is not an Aaron Rodgers stan or fan goes, oh, he del he gets a delay game all the time. Mm. He's bitching about seeing a delay a game for Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. He does it. But I think what we're realizing here with what you just broke down is the reason why the play clock runs down so low for guys like you and guys for Tom, you're literally trying to collect all the information you possibly can pre-snap because it's a determiner of what you're going to fucking do at all times, every single play, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, look, we'd like to have better better tempo for sure. I felt like there were times, especially the first three drives, we had nice tempo. We're going to have a huddle quickly. But there are certain situations and, and environments and uh, third downs with uh, long calls and check with me's and crowd noise where you, you're you going to be up against the clock. And knowing the rule, the rule is really it's zero and then look up at the for the back judge and look at the clock and then delay, right? It's not zero delay you know what i mean like once it's at zero it's not a delay game there's always a beat in there for the ref to to know it it seemed like to me on both the last two plays for them that that beat had happened zero beat delay um they called it on the second one they didn't call on the first one but um but yeah we're up against the clock a lot and and we know the rules you know we gotta we gotta get that ball off and uh, there's been times where it's been very, very close, but I feel like, you know, we teed at that line of, of uh, you know, one to zero to delay uh, pretty well. Yeah, I'd say. That's pretty funny. Hey, you said on that play right there, the touchdown pass, that you had a, a run option, a run to the left and then a run solution to the right. So you have, there's a, a run to the left, a pass to the right. How, how much more comfortable do you feel now making those decisions at the line than, say, like your second year starting? I would imagine it feels a lot easier and better now. 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of them. We put them in years and years ago. Uh, one of the first times we hit it was in 2006. We played the Seattle Seahawks at uh, at Seattle in a Monday night game, I believe, later in the season. And, and Brett hit uh, Donald Driver uh. and Donald weaved and broke a bunch of tackles or made a bunch of guys miss for like a 60-yard touchdown or something. And that was the genesis of it. 2007, we played Chicago Bears at home, and they played like 42 snaps straight of the Tampa 2. And a lot of our passes that game were the backside one-step slants against their cover 2. They were playing outside leverage, and that was kind of the only way we could, you know, get some positive passes because they were begging us to run the football and kind of grew from there with different uh, single man, two man, uh, backside of, of runs, front side of runs, um, three man stuff that we came up with uh, that kind of went across the league uh, with the outside one and two blocking for number three running to the flat and, and, and various things off of that. So it's it's a lot of fun um, and it's it's a it's it's a percentage game. You're, you're playing a percentage of what do you think the better outcome is going to be, throwing it out to the receiver or or letting the run go in those situations, and there's not, they're not on every single play. They're on a, a you know a, a few tagged specific runs each game, and and every team I think throughout the league is doing something similar. It's it's a quicker version of the RPOs where you're not uh, most of the time not really reading it. Feels like it's pretty sophisticated offense. Is that what you were referring to whenever you're talking about the young guys having to understand the whys of plays? And is that something that you think like the young guys are obviously Romeo, you're having you're building a lot of trust with him. Is he starting to understand the whys of plays and why you might do what you might want to do? Because it sounds like a very sophisticated offense. Sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like a lot of pre-thought there. Well, you can make anything sound sophisticated enough if you use big words and keep talking about it. But true, true. at the end of the day, it's a very simple game. It's it's percentage based. What's the best the best play uh, possible? That's, I remember one time when I was a rookie. We ran a uh, 90-92 uh, blast. It was a weak side open play to Amon Green, and I saw him and Derek Brooks hit each other, and it was one of the hardest hits uh, I'd seen. And we came back and watched the film, and they were in an eight-man box, and and the, the comment was, well, the defense is going to win sometimes. And I, I never really uh, you know, agreed with that philosophy. I always said, if there's a different thing we can do in that situation, why don't we do it? Then Mike came in with his offense, and we had a lot of answers. So we could, we could adjust plays run to run, run to pass, pass to run, and, and started doing things to get after the defense when they gave us unfavorable looks. And it just grew from there, the ability to add run solutions now to the outside to do RPO game, as you saw from the college rank coming to the pro rank. Um, and... You know, that's kind of my strategy. Why waste the play if, if there's a, an easier, quicker option, better option to get to? A lot of stuff, you know, going into the season was you no longer have Devontae, who was obviously a massive portion of the targets because Devontae is Devontae Adams. Now you got a new cast of characters. You get Alan Lazard back. It was obvious that him coming back was massive, not only for your comfort, but for the output of that offense. Can you put into words Alan Lazard's presence there for you? I mean, I saw him blocking there yeah. for Romeo Dobbs' touchdown, even though he's just running a route. He was blocking for it. It feels like you and him are on the same damn page, and he will demolish dudes in the run game. Seems like he's the perfect teammate for you. He is a perfect teammate. He... You know, he cares about it. He wants to be great, but he celebrates his teammates and he does the dirty work. He's always been a great blocker and he does it without complaining. You know, he does it uh, as a lead blocker. He does it on the backside. He'll sift defensive ends. 
Uh, he's, you know, no fear out there, plays with an edge. And we love his, his approach, and we love when he's a part of the offense. And he can work in the slot and get down the sidelines on inside fade, and he can work outside, and he can, you know, break guys off and, and run read routes and, and choice routes, and he can do it all. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Um, I love his story and the fact that, you know, he was, uh, you know, kind of a tweener guy, they thought. And is he a tight end? Is he a receiver? Went to Jacksonville, came to us, showed up all over the tape his first year. Then he gets cut. Uh, then he gets activated, never plays until Detroit game on a Monday night. And the history of Alan Lazard was kind of uh, written the first chapter that night. And it's been a, a beautiful start to the book, I think. And I'm really really proud of him. He's got a great approach. He's a very good leader in our locker room. And, and when he's out there, we're a much better team. Hell yeah. Ty, your question for Aaron. Aaron, great victory on Sunday. That one was a lot of fun to watch. Um, when you're looking at the offense as a whole, I think a lot of people look at, you know, you guys only scored 14 points, but you look at the production from Romeo and Allen and Randall Cobb look great. You get Bakhtiari back, not for the whole game, but for a little bit. Are there tangible things that you notice with the offense getting better and kind of just more comfortable week to week that just most fans wouldn't notice and who just kind of want to bitch that you guys only scored 14 points? Because it really did. You know, I don't think the scoreboard indicated, you know, how well you guys played on Sunday. Thank you, Ty. You look, uh, you're glowing today. Oh, thank, thank you, Ty. Thank you. Yeah. Listen. This game will always allow for gloating and bitching on both sides, <laughs> and that's just that, that's a part of it. I think that's that's what makes uh, fans uh, so endearing is uh, they want to gloat about uh, us beating the Buccaneers at the same time, bitch about the production or whatever. Listen, this is the, this is a very difficult sport, and it's tough to win. And the Buccaneers are a great team and have a great defense. Not a lot of teams are going to light them up. Now, we had three great drives to start the game. If I throw maybe a better ball to Jonesy uh, on that third down, he may slip two defenders, and it's 21-3. If he holds onto the ball, it's 17-3. You know, then the whole you know rest of the game is probably has a different maybe flavor to it because uh, we're up two scores for the majority of the game, and, and that last drive obviously – doesn't have the same type of significance, and we're feeling a little bit better about ourselves. And we had some other opportunities. Obviously, I threw a bad pick, one of my only bad plays of the game. I felt like I played, uh, you know, played a pretty good game. Uh, it was great having Dave out there. I'm so proud of him, just like I was proud of Elton coming back. That'd be Dave. That'd be Bach. For Dave to be out there, we were laughing, you know, uh, and I'm sure uh, you got AQ in there, right? Yep. I'm sure he can relate to this. Dave was saying. You know, he never realized what it's like for those players that don't play every snap, you know, where they're, you know, D lineman playing three snaps coming out, you know, a linebacker who's not part of the nickel package coming out or, uh, you know, receivers who kind of come in out, backs, tight ends coming out. He's like, man, it's kind of nice, like playing a series oh. and taking a series off. And oh, no. He's getting comfortable. He likes it. He likes it, Ty. Sounds like Bach <laughs> likes it. I mean, I think he played probably a little more than half the snaps, but – but it was great having him out there. I think he, based on looking at the film, I think he played really, really well. Hopefully his knee feels great this week, and we'll see where he's at. But I feel good about the, our line and, and the way they've played and, and the fact that we can have Josh Myers go out with cramps and bring in 
Jake Hansen. Feel good about that. Feel feel good about if we're gonna, you know, do some platooning with with Dave. We we bring in Yash Nishman, who's played really really well for us. So that that helps our depth and. But having uh, you know him and Elton back definitely solidifies uh, our line, and I felt like we ran the ball at times pretty good. That's a great front, um, and yeah. most teams that have scored points on them, any type of points, have done it throwing the ball. So we obviously had to throw a little bit more. Hey, when you watch games, obviously you're playing during the day. When you we look on and watch all these games going on, there's every once in a while you see a quarterback who's in like consistent pressure every single drive. It seems like multiple times getting banged up, never feels comfortable. Like, what does that do to a quarterback if you have consistent pressure over and over again? Does that wear on you? Week one, right? I mean, that happened to you week yeah. one, I think. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it definitely throws off the timing. You might want to speed things up. That's kind of the natural reaction to that. I'm gonna, I gotta play faster. I gotta, you know, get the ball out quicker. I gotta do this or that. I think there's some ways of of helping with that. You know, one thing is always mixing up the looks. You know, mixing up, especially when you got great edge rushers. Can't give them the same look every time. We got to slide to them sometimes, slide away. We got to chip them sometimes. We got to have a tight end in the back on them sometimes. Maybe two tight ends on them sometimes and slide away. You got to give them different looks. We got to leave an open end, come back and cut them. Leave an open end, come back and, and boot. Um, you know, we, we have to give too, right? cadence as well. You got to give them different looks. They're not just flying off the ball every time because you let them just fly off the ball. You know, with forty dropbacks, a great pass rush is going to get home at least once. And a lot of guys once or twice, and, and then hit you a few more times. So, so you got to keep uh, keep them off balance, and, and I think under center helps us too. I, I loved kind of being more uh, higher percentage under center uh, in this offense. I feel like it gives us, you know, a lot more things we can do. Um, I think you told us that Mike McCarthy maybe has a rule about taking a shot every single quarter, and you've kind of enjoyed it. Is that a part of keeping defenses off balance as well? Like, hey, got to take a shot, even if you don't think the percentages are that high of it connecting. And how do you get those into the game plan? You just ask for them. <laughs> hey, LaFleur, <laughs> fuck it. I can't hear you. Sorry. Let's go yeah. deep. Chuck it. All goes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, listen, I think you'd like to push the ball down the field, especially because you just got to give them the threat of running by them. Um, but you know, we're such a schematic, uh, offense that does also rely on timing. Uh, we give you so many different looks that, uh, that have very similar things. I like the, the mix-ups that we had this week with, uh, with fly motion on some of our guys and then, you know, toss action and coming back and faking the toss and running keeper off of that. I felt like that was really effective for us. So that's, that's what we try and do. We try and make it all marry up the run game with the action game, uh, you know, with the keeper game. And we're doing that, you know, it's going to help us uh, keep the defense at least, uh, you know, not clued into exactly what we're doing. Did you and Tom text each other after the game, or was it just that dap up afterwards? Right, hey, good. All right. All right. See, you See you down the road. Down the road. Right. Is that or did yeah, you guys? We, yeah, there were a couple messages sent back and forth. Yeah, a lot of respect. What'd you say, man? You looked handsome. You, you guys didn't win, but you looked handsome. Like, what do you guys say? I mean, he knows, he knows that. I think he knows that. <laughs> What is it? He had a nice run. It got called back, but he had a nice run. Well, how about his knee brace just fucking turning that son bitch yeah. sideways? So uncomfortable, I'd assume. Yeah, I think he. Uh, what do you, you got to slide maybe the other foot? But if you're, you know, if you play baseball, you probably either a right foot forward slider or a left foot forward slider. And I think he's a left foot forward or a right foot forward slider, so his left knee is bent, so that's going to catch the turf and. Turn that thing around a little bit. He had like offensive lineman Don Joy's on because he never yeah, runs. So huge. it's not even like a thought of because there's no offensive lineman that are sliding. Hey, you got the clip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right foot forward. Yeah, right foot forward slider. So 
I thought he looked yeah. natural. I thought oh, he yeah. looked natural, by the way. The knee brace kind of made him look unathletic at the end. I thought he looked very natural through this, and he obviously felt like he was flying because he was. Yes. Uh, the knee brace got figured out. Did you guys text about the knee brace or about life in general or anything? I, I was actually wondering if he had the GPS for his, uh, his top speed on that run. So I was just waiting to hear back from that. He'll have it figured out. TB12 will have it down to actually, uh, oh, yeah. I think it'll be millimeters per second. They'll get it dive, you know, because it's the little things. The big things take care of themselves. This week, congrats on the win. Congrats oh, yeah. on the win. Woo! The Goat Bowl, you won. Congrats. Happy about it. Pumped about it. Uh, let's continue to move forward. Now you got the Patriots. And anytime you take on the Patriots, I assume you just have massive respect for Bill Belichick. That's how I am. Every time I pick a game, I'm like, I feel like Bill Belichick will figure it out. What is it against the Patriots defense that is different, if there's anything, because Bill Belichick's over there for you going into the game week? Well, he's the best coach of all time. So. GM, too, probably, by the way. GM, too. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a legend, living legend, and he's – been ahead of the game for a long long time he makes incredible in-game adjustments halftime adjustments third quarter adjustments fourth quarter adjustments whatever it takes you know that uh, there's going to be an initial uh, idea about what they want to take away from our offense and then they'll have you know two or three you know a plan b a plan c a plan d we, we figured that out in 2014 and i've told us before they wanted to take away jordy and randall we went to Devonte, and they want to take away Devonte and went to jordy we take away really take away jordy for sure and Devonte. and we went to randall i mean that's the, that's what they do they're always mixing it up there's different fronts he's added an extensive zero blitz scheme to the repertoire um but he's a fantastic coach and and you just Never know exactly what you're going to get, but you got to be ready for all of it. Do you have any relationship with him? Because I always see him. He goes talks, it feels like, to guys that he has respect for after games. I assume he's come up to you and chatted with you. Do you guys have any relationship at all? I think just a mutual respect. I've seen him a few times over the years at various events, but but uh, just a lot of respect. I mean, for me, I just you know, I think he's a fantastic coach, and I love uh, you know love what he's accomplished and love what he's about, and think he's hilarious in his press conferences and and. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, I fucking love it. Mac Jones uh, just yesterday was like, uh, injury questions are for Bill Belichick. So then Bill comes up and they're like, what about Mac's injury? And doctors are looking at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just fucking buries him. I mean, it is. Being a local reporter up there has got to be either the scariest thing of all time or the most hilarious thing of all time. Maybe at the same damn time. Can't wait to watch how it all pans out. Connor has a question for you going into New England this week. Yeah, Aaron, please take it easy if you feel like, you know, you're beating the Patriots too bad. Maybe throw left. You're only do no looks. But with Mac Jones and New England, have you – kind of had any thoughts about how the offense is being run and how difficult do you think it is for Mac having two guys kind of call him plays? I think that a lot of times, and this is this, again, this is just, a, uh, you know, an opinion. This isn't based on anything that I inside information, but a lot of times when there's stories that are out there about that, in actuality, one guy's really doing it. Oh, so, you know, there's conversation around who's calling a defense sometimes, is it this person or that person. It, it's usually figured out in-house, and, and then maybe for whatever reason, it, it's not really talked about a whole lot outside of it, or it's just not a big deal. You know, like there might be some defenses where, you know, uh, one guy calls first second down, one guy, you know, throws in a call on third down, a position coach or a pass game coordinator or something, and it's never that big of a deal. So I think for the most part, a lot of that's maybe just fodder uh, for, you know, for media consumption. 
Um, I would guess at a place like New England with Bill, it's probably pretty smooth. So whoever's calling it, I'm, I'm sure that Bill's making sure that's the smoothest process possible. Um, I would be highly surprised if there was any strife or struggle or back and forth or wondering who's doing it. Because in actuality, I, I believe that there's only one uh, way of talking to the to the quarterback, like one headset that talks to him. I mean, that's what I would want. I wouldn't want two different voices in my head. So somebody ultimately has the final say on what the call goes in, and then they go run it. So I don't know that that's uh, that big of a story. A bigger story would be if there was a major change in uh, philosophy or uh, terminology. Uh, but I would assume uh, it's Bill O'Brien, right? And, and No, it's Joe Judge. Joe Judge. And Matt Patricia. Not even a- and Matt, okay, so I would assume those guys use pretty similar terminology to Josh because uh, they're all in the system together. So I would assume it's not that big of a, of a difference. Got it. Hey, how important is that guy that is calling the offensive plays? I tell Pat all the time, I think that guy had that, – that coach has the ability to have the biggest impact on the game one way or the other, good or bad, the person calling the offensive plays. Is that something that, that you could see uh, – like would you want to call plays? Let's say hypothetically you were a coach someday. Would you think you'd be a good in-game play caller? Uh, I think I would because I know what I don't want as a quarterback. <laughs> uh, so it's you, though. You would have to be calling your own plays, not for another quarterback. Like, you're calling no, for – No, I think I could call it for another quarterback, and I have before. Uh, that's, that's a story for a different when? day. But okay. 2011 to week 17, I called that game. Uh, a good portion oh, Flinters? Of Did we that win? Flinters game with a record? When Flinters set the record? Well, he had a, he had a nice day. He had a nice day. Threw for like 500 yards. You could, did we, is this information yeah. brand new? Yeah, 480 and 6. It's not a new You called all of them? You called the whole game? I called, I called a lot of that game. <laughs> Hold on. Is this brand new information that you might be the greatest fucking offense coordinator in the history of offense coordinator? Matt Flynn throws for 500 fucking yards yep. with you on the headset. Is this new news? I don't think that's new news. I think it's been out there that I that I had a hand in, in a lot of those calls. But... Um, well, congrats, dude. Wow. Way to have hey, it. Thank you so hey, much. Great day on the headset. Yeah. Hey, I didn't do a whole lot. Again, Matt balled out. Yeah, but I mean, he's got to be in there. Matt balled out. I mean, he had a. They drew him offside through a touchdown. He threw a key to Jermichael for a touchdown. He had an empty pressure throw to, to Donald for a touchdown. We had a screen that nobody ran the screen except for the receivers and Ryan Grant. And Ryan went 80 yards for a touchdown. I mean, it, it was uh, it was a well played game uh, for for Maddie. I'm really happy for him. But my whole point is, uh, slower is better. <laughs> Enunciation is important. So that's what Matt and I when I. He doesn't know all my – I come up with new signals for him from time to time. Like, he knows that this means now I can't hear you, right? But I'm trying to get him on this one, right? This one means slow down. Enunciate. Enunciate. <laughs> come on. Please say the words that you're trying to get I'm out of your mouth. I'm now, and I'm like, Matty, hey, just slow down, bro. I can't understand what you're saying. There's a lot of people talking to me. So just slow down and stay with me. But thankfully – Jordan does a great job, Jordan Love, because he's always watching me and standing there, Matt. And Matt, you know, like Mike used to always stand like right to my left, like right on the yard marker, right? So it was great. So I just look at Mike, hey, one more time. Yeah, I didn't hear that. It's fantastic. But Matt, he could be roaming the sideline. He could be down 50 yards on the other sideline. He could be behind us. Who knows where the hell he is? So, But Jordan always stays with him. And if I'm like, hey, one more time, what was that again? Start over, slow down. Jordan's always helping me out with that, so big thanks to J-Lo on that. Hey, LaFleur's awesome, huh? What do you say after the game, after this game? And obviously, it's just a September game, 
And it's an NFC game, so it's obviously important, and that's a very good football team to get a win. But what was LaFleur's message afterward? Is he just a uh, fuck it, we're on to the next one guy? Seems like he's a little bit of a psychopath when it comes to football. Is that an accurate read on him? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd say so. Yeah, it feels like it when you're watching. It's listen, like, listen, he loves he loves throwing the occasional bone, but it's a little different than than it used to be, you know. Uh, Victory Monday, and I don't know if Ship remembers this, but I'm sure you guys remember this as well. Victory Monday used to mean you don't even come in the facility, right, if you don't want to. See you Wednesday. See you Wednesday, right? Have a great two days off. You know, go down to Milwaukee, have a good time, go to Madison, have a blast. Come on. (laughs) That doesn't happen anymore, right? So, so, but I like to needle him from time to time. So he was like, and guess what, guys? See you Wednesday. And I was like, old school see you Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Actual see you Wednesday. And everybody in there but Mason and, and Big Dog were like, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, back then we never had to come in on Mondays and Tuesdays. Now it's, you know, you got to get a flush on Monday. If you want to squat for me, squat Tuesdays. So, look, the schedule is great, uh, you know, after a win, especially when Maddie gives us a little bit of a break. It's also great for the coaches, I think. They can actually – you know, maybe uh, get home before midnight on a Monday and Tuesday because they're up there grinding so hard watching their desks. But, um, <laughs> but old, Matt, old uh, school watching your guarding desk. Their desk, guarding <laughs> the desk, yeah. guarding uh, the desk, guarding the desk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, this this question came up earlier. We were pontificating about it, and since you've been around the NFL for so long, and you are a runner, okay, uh, still. Hey, still moving, by the way. Hey, oh, you yeah. still you still got it. You know what I mean? You were doing that basketball training in the offseason. It's paying off. You still got it. Still got some wiggle. Uh, last night, Sterling Shepard, non-contact, running a go route, tears his ACL. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, responds on the internet and basically says, like, what are we even doing? We need to get rid of all turf fields. And we're not saying that the turf field necessarily caused Sterling Shepard, but it certainly has raised the conversation again about turf fields and grass fields. And we talked about how in the Premier League and in all these other leagues that involve a playing surface that is grass or whatever, they have these incredible technology that are able to keep the grass perfect. They have, uh, they invest in it. They pay for it. They do the whole thing. And the NFL is still like, there's some grass teams or some turf teams and it feels like guys continue to get hurt now from a business perspective i think the nfl owner should view it as an investment in their team because if you lose a star player you're probably not going to sell as many tickets and not have as many eyes but i think it's difficult for them to do that if they hear the large number it's going to cost to have grass fields in every stadium do you think we're ever going to find a time in the nfl where it's all grass fields and are you a proponent of that and what is the difference between the two in your uh from your perspective aaron yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I don't know if we're ever going to get a standard for that because it's up to the owners. The owners have such a you know a hold on what happens uh, in the league as the, you know as some people think they should. Um, there's not a standardization across the league, even on grass fields or on turf, right? So grass in Chicago is different than the grass in Tampa. Grass in Green Bay is different than the grass in. Uh, San Francisco, you know, it's all, it's different types of grass, different lengths of grass, uh, different uh, consistencies. I love our field, uh, but it can get slick at times for sure. Other fields, you know, in nighttime or, or uh, you know, in, in humid weather might, might not get as slick. Chicago's always kind of grown their grass out a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. uh, it used to be a lot longer <laughs> than it is now. It used to be really long. Um, 
But uh, the indoor facilities, though, don't have a consistent, I don't believe, don't have a consistent uh, standard, uh, meaning I think all the fields are a little bit different, right? Uh, that's just, you know, again, I don't have the uh, specifics on those, but some fields seem a lot uh, more firm. Uh, some are a lot to have a lot more give where there's a little bit of, you know, sometimes uh, uh, wobble, you know, when you're making your cuts. And I think some of those the wobbles on a microscopic level can lead to some of these injuries. Probably that's what Odell I'm sure is talking about. I actually saw the play that Shepard and it was a wild play, right? Look, he's just running normally and then goes down to me. I thought, Oh, that did he like something with cartilage on the lateral side, maybe, but you're saying his ACL. Yeah. Confirmed torn ACL out of nowhere. So he had Achilles last yeah, year. Fuck him. Yeah, no, it's awful. He's, he's been hurt, you know, I think the last four years now. So it's, that's awful for a kid like that, but there's a lot of non-contact injuries um, on those indoor surfaces. I don't know if it's at a higher level or not. I'm sure that somebody can do some research on that, but I think it'd be hard to do a, a across the ball, or across the board uh, standard for it. But most players, the majority of players, especially older players, would love uh, love playing on grass. That's why even in the winter time here in Green Bay, on some of our coldest days, when Matt Maddie asked me what I want to do, I said, "Let's go outside." I'd rather go outside in 10 degrees and then practice indoors on the on the indoor turf. And a AJ and AQ talked about this earlier. Down in Tampa, they would be the older guys would be asked where they want to practice and they said give us the 110 sauna outside on the grass as opposed to the turf on the inside. And you're saying on the opposite end. So people that are watching, that's how players feel. They'd rather go into a fucking hypothermia or into a sauna as opposed to run on this turf for another day potentially for a full practice and who knows if there'll ever be any change. I hope so though, Aaron, you know, I kind of hope so. I hope so too. I mean, they're looking into a lot of different uh issues around injuries um and that would be an interesting path to go down look at the stats on indoor facilities against outdoor facilities and types of grass and and all that things i'm sure you know with the analytics uh you know money that gets thrown around i'm sure we could figure uh, at least get some sort of uh, information around that. Last question about storylines around the NFL before we get to the book club. Cannot wait to hear what we are reading this week. I mean, last week, I, I, the the love, I, I fucking loved you could it. Have, yeah. you, could have read, you could have read The Mastery of Love, which I actually still have right here. You oh, it was so that. good. It was Unbelievable. So, it was so good. It was so good. because I have read that in a week, I'm sure. This next book, I don't know if you could read in a week. You probably want to stretch it out a little oh, bit. No. But. Oh, no. There's no chance of me reading it, it sounds like. But Mastery of Love was sitting right at my desk. Two of them. I had two of them because yeah. I wanted to read it twice. Instead of reading the same book twice, I wanted to read both <laughs> books because I wanted people to feel good about it. And uh, boom! Fuck. Boom! <laughs> Bang read this thing you know no big deal i absolutely loved it i can't wait for it uh the abusive language did you see this what happened fourth quarter chiefs colts chiefs up five i think or up four with five minutes left in the fourth quarter three and third down matt ryan and the colts don't pick it up they're punting matt ryan off the field punt team already on the field call for abusive language from Stone Cold Chris Jones to Matt Ryan. 15-yard penalty, first down, Colts go down the field, throw a touchdown to Jelani Woods with 20-some seconds left, end up winning the game. Essentially, abusive language was the thing that turned that entire game and got the Colts to win. Now, I'm happy about it. I bet on the Colts, and I am a Colt, but in the whole our take was can't have this happening. Were you guys told about this? Is there some things you can't say, you can say? Do you involve in any of this? And what are your thoughts on it? 
there's always a, a video every year. Like here's the uh, they don't call they can't call them points of emphasis anymore. Clarification, like, points of clarification. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what it is. Clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you always see those ref a little bit more. I remember a game against Minnesota where roughing the passer was, you know, the big thing. We're going to really clamp down on all these roughing the passer calls, right? And Clay hits uh, Kirk, I think, on an intercepted pass. Yep. And they call it back. And the hit was very, very light. You know, and I remember how frustrated we were. Uh, but that was what they were emphasizing at the time. And, and – and then there's, you know, this year, I think illegal contact has been something they've been really trying to look at, stuff that could be away from the ball as well. Uh, when it comes to uh, abusive language, I don't really know exactly what that's talking about. I do know that uh, there's certain, you know, code words that they're probably looking for that you probably, you know, uh, like what? are going to get more for, but... Say them. Uh, how do we know though? If you don't have a list of the abusive words, how do you know what's abusive? Is it you got to put George Carlin special on, or what? What are you gonna do? I think yeah, I think we need a George Carlin special. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, there's not a list of them, uh, but I would assume if if you're putting together some colorful metaphors, that you're probably you know gonna have, give yourself a chance to get fined. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Chris would have said to him. Or I feel like uh, you know Chris is a great competitor. He doesn't seem like a hothead to me. And Matt, great competitor, doesn't seem like I had to me either. So I don't know what was said between the two of them that would have, uh, you know, been grounds for abusive language. But um, there wasn't a whole lot of abusive language in our game. It was, it was pretty. Pretty civil. Sue's not there anymore. But <laughs> Sue and you and Sue obviously have your whole thing. And hopefully that'll get settled one day over some good scotch or maybe some stock investments. Right, I know he's right. in that. But Matt Ryan didn't even react. Like, Stone Cold Chris Jones was in his face, and he's smiling. Chris Jones is. Yep. Matt Ryan hears it, throws the ball, jogging off the field, probably feeling like we fucking lost this game, and then all of a sudden abusive language, 15 yards. It's like, I wondered if they tell you guys anything different. It sounds like no. It's just like, hey, there's some things you can't say. You know what they are. Well, it's the taunting as well as a point of uh, clarification. You know, they're really looking at taunting, you know, standing over a guy or making a demonstration to a guy. A lot of them, to me, it's – I don't know, man. It's – and there's been stuff done to me. Like, if somebody does the belt to me, do I want a taunting penalty on that? No, of course not. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've, we just got to be careful going too far on some of these rules. It's like what college did with targeting. Are you shitting me? Yes. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. You're ruining these kids' and teams' opportunities by – subjective calls or weird movements that a defender makes or an offensive player lowers their head last minute and it becomes a helmet to helmet and we're taking kids out of a you know if first half they're out of that game right second half they're out of the second half and the first half of the next game i mean the punishment doesn't fit the crime at all it's 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 ridiculous so we got to be careful on how far we go on some of these rules again i don't know what was said between chris and matt but that's what happens you know these these calls they're 15 yarders which you know, severely impacts uh, a game, especially late in a game like that. Yeah, the Colts won because of it, and I don't know if we'll ever know what either of them uh, said to each other or what Chris said to cause a 15-yard penalty. Uh, and back to the targeting thing, I think they should look at intent. 
right? And I guess that's hard to sell or whatever. But if like a guy is clearly putting his head down and trying to spear somebody and take them out, like I think that's very obvious. Where if a guy like Skolsky yeah. gets a big time yeah. shot and his intent is just to make a tackle, and you're kicking this guy to the national fucking championship game, mm -hmm. this guy like like that's he's worked his entire life. And then in college, you lose one game, you're not going to go to the national championship. So you take a guy out that's like a a staple of your defense, who's probably the reason why your team maybe goes to the national championship. It's an interesting thing, and we're in a time right now where everybody's trying to overcorrect things, and maybe we'll finally settle in, though. You know, Aaron, maybe we'll – it feels like we're maybe. Right, I think you're right, though, Pat. I think you can, especially with the help of replay, look at intent. And if a guy is spearing, eyes closed, you know, cheap-shotting a guy like AJ used to do to me at practice, like <laughs> kick him out of the game, for sure. Kick him out of the game. His face. But, but if, a guy is making a yeah. if a guy is making a head-up tackle – and the offensive player lowers his head or does a weird thing and it comes down with the helmet, that shouldn't be grounds for an ejection. That's ridiculous. You're impacting these kids' lives on a, on a grand scheme, and it's I don't think it's right. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't think are right, but you know what? This show is going to fucking fix them all. Oh, yeah. This show is also going to bring back a lot of literacy advocacy. Ain't that right? Yeah. This show is going to turn people that would have never opened a book into full-time readers. Mm -hmm. This show, in its second time doing it, is going to have the biggest book club that we could possibly have. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for book number two of the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday Book Club 2.0. Aaron Rodgers is telling us to read what book? Last week, it was The Mastery of Love which we all read. Yep. We bought two of them so we could read them twice. Give them to two friends, not just one friend. Mm -hmm. This week, Aaron Rodgers is telling us to read a book that he says is much longer, so it might be a less reading percentage. Much it, it's much older, and it's an important book, I think, to read because we got to make this book fiction again. The Bible. It's Boom. It's one of the most famous fiction books written, definitely the most famous fiction book written in 1949, and it's called... 1984. Oh, this is going to be some shit, right? This book is something, obviously. I've heard about this book before. This is going to start a conversation that, of course, Aaron wants us to read this book. I would love for you to read the book. I know AJ's already read the book. He's, you know, told me about it. Um, maybe just the cliff notes, but. So I know what it means. But yeah, it's an interesting book, especially in the context of our time. It's written in 1949 by a guy named George Orwell about a dystopian future. Uh, of 1984, where eh, a lot of the things that he wrote about mm, could have some correlation to things going on in our world today in 2022, and especially when the government renames a division of it, the Ministry of Truth, which is the organization that the main character of the book, Winston Smith, actually works for. It's an organization that rewrites history every single day to change what is true, but maybe anti the party ruling, or maybe Oh. undermining the people in charge. They rewrite history in order to fit a narrative that better suits uh, the talking heads of the day. So very fascinating book. It actually got pulled, I think, from many reading lists. It was a book that was yeah. on a reading list maybe in eighth grade for many of us, seventh, mm -hmm. eighth grade, junior high, I think, usually. Of course. But, uh, but a book that still stands up, very interesting book, controversial, I think, to some people. But, but, uh, but at very least, a book that you can read and say, I'm going to read this book so that this doesn't happen to my society in 2022 and beyond because a lot of things that are happening in this book could be we're moving towards some of those things right now so you're saying this is like done by the jetsons or by the simpsons people is george orwell one of those time traveling folk is that what it feels like the simpsons is amazing i mean that, i still remember watching that video you put out 
it was like, I don't know, minutes and minutes long about all the different things they've been right about, including the weirdest thing maybe of all of them was Trump coming down the escalator, right? Yeah, well. The sign falling down. This, I mean, the queen, they got the queen's year passing. They got that right, 2022 on the, uh, that's been added to that video. And, and since we put that video out that has got, and this is not like a. Uh, no, it is, go ahead, yeah. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of millions of views. Yeah. Like that is the biggest video we've ever done by far. And we get, uh, it's been plopped and put into so many different things because I wasn't the person that created the theory, but I was the person that follow enough people. That's like, Hey, people that are in this culture feel the same way as people that are in this culture, feel the same way as the people that are in this culture. And I have friends in all of them. We all have different things in every culture. That's like the Simpsons predicted this. And then in this, the Simpsons also predicted this. And it was like, all right, let's do some fucking research on this and really gather them. Ty went to work. There's like 27 of them or 28 of them that were just like too spot on to be like coincidence, you know? But apparently the Jetsons, same fucking thing. I guess the Jetsons have like 60 oh, yeah. things going through their show back in the day that are all real now and are supposed to be set in the future and all that stuff. So I'm excited to dive into 1984, pal. I'm excited. I know you won't. I know you won't. And, and again, it's it's a fascinating book. I read it many years ago. Um, oh, these books. And, and look through some of the notes I had made in it uh, uh, recently when I picked it up. I was trying to find it last week and start with it, but actually I enjoyed starting with Don Miguel Ruiz and Mastery of Love. Uh, as a first one, but I think I think Pat, at some point, you would be interested in reading it. Um, I read it. Is a, it's a fascinating book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I've even read The Alchemist yet. I mean, oh, that's The Alchemist that's classic, bro. When I think about The Alchemist, I honestly just think about a movie, a book. I mean, that is just so. It's not. It's not over here. It's. It was there. Definitely there. I saw the cover. Oh, yeah, this one. Right there, yeah. Well, the thing about the alchemist is to realize one's destiny is a person's only obligation. And when you're diving into this Brazilian author's book right here, Paulo, you really start to feel that. Or Spanish, uh, Brazilian, Spanish, I think Spain. Portuguese. <laughs> Portuguese. Brazilian. Is, a, is it Brazilian, gentlemen? Could be Brazilian. Could be Portuguese. Who knows? So they speak Portuguese in Brazil, right? Yes. Hmm. That's confusing. Uh, obviously, when I read this book, I thought to myself that the yeah. idea is that your singular pursuit should be to live in your own dreams. And that's what The Alchemist is all about. And that's why the book club's so amazing, because that's something I would have never dove into. Can't wait to read 1984. Can't wait to hear the response of all the people on the internet of you picking that book for us to read. I appreciate it. I'm excited about it. Uh, good luck this weekend against the Patriots, and congrats on your win against the Bucks, pal. Thanks, guys. And I look forward to this every week and can't wait to see you all next week. You're the man. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh... Thank you, AQ. Thank you to everybody who was watching for all four hours here. Thank you to Aaron Rodgers, obviously, for joining us. Thank you to AJ, who obviously had somewhere to go. Yeah. Uh, talks to the table. You guys crushed it. Everybody in the back, appreciate you. Had, had some adversity. Yeah. yeah. Got it done, though. Stared it down, went through it, ran through it, had to do it. Uh, big thanks to uh, Tone Diggs, who's making the world a better place, being an incredible father. Hell He'll yeah. be back, I believe, next week. Don't want to put too much pressure on him. He can come back whenever the fuck he wants, but I think next week is when he's planning on it. If not, maybe the week after that, we definitely miss him. Uh, we miss the Hammer Down Boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We do, but we can't wait to get that back in our lives. Uh, thank you all so much for watching. Have an incredible... Here we go. Pinky rings off.
Australia. That was cool. Yeah. Nice. First one. We will give $500 to 10 random people that retweet this beautiful video. Uh, in reply to this video, this tweet, say something nice to somebody. Put your cash tag in there because if you win, we'll pay you through Cash App. Thank you so much for watching Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow with a big time show. Oh, oh hell yeah. Have an incredible day. Goodbye. Take like 20 hours or so. Cheers.